some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is... If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Lineman to play the three tech, and I was like, Holy shit, we're gonna make a hell of a splash here in free agent. I can't wait till Tuesday. We're gonna be talking about Larry Okanjobi, and we're gonna talk about the new receiver we got. And then we're gonna, and of course, that hasn't happened. We got out Larry O, but uh, it's been very quiet at Hallis Hall since then. And that and some other shit that's been going on, you know, I found out that I got a fucking mice infestation on the top of my garage you know we saw some some um, mice poo and so we called the guy in he fucking looked all in the attic and here and there and so forth he goes yeah you got a little bit of a problem here it's a little bit of a problem you're telling me it's going to cost me eighty five hundred dollars to fix that's not a little bit of a problem and then just other shit man really fucking you know, soured my mood, and 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 now you know Dan's running a little late, and I talked to Tooch, and he's fucking having an asthma attack and stuff. So it's a little gloomy here, but that's it, man. I'm well, we're gonna turn it on. We're gonna reverse ship. We're gonna have some fun here tonight. We're gonna talk about the new Bears defensive lineman. John's gonna show me, join me uh, shortly to talk about that, and then I just want to get one thing off of my uh, chest. You know, I I, I tweeted out today that. I was contemplating just going off on Ryan Pace because this whole mess is because of him. And I just, I just, every once in a while as I'm scrolling down Twitter, 
I just see people defending Ryan Pace. He left the roster better off than he did and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, what are you thinking about? That He had no clue, no clue about how to build a football team. Just no. It was all Band-Aids. It was like when you're, when you're getting medical attention and you walk out of whether it's the dentist or the doctor or whatever, you're just all bandaged up and you, you're thinking to yourself, this fucking ain't going to do any good. And that's what he did year after year. The, the poor decisions that he made forced him, poor decisions in the draft forced him to pick up free agent help uh, that just added to the cap. And 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 as as Ryan Pohl said, you know, that's that those are the cards we were dealt. And so that's why we're in this situation where we're seeing the San Diego Chargers add superstar after superstar after superstar. These guys are going to have a monster defense along with their uh, uh, all-pro quarterback who is still in his rookie contract. You know, that should be us. We should have Patrick Mahomes or even Deshaun Watson on the squad, and we should have, we should be – retooling for Super Bowls, not retooling for respectability, because that's where we're at. There's no the way I see this turning out for 2022, there's no way we've got a chance at the playoffs. Just no way. With, with what? With a bunch of wave two players? I mean, I I I tweeted out also what my anticipated starting lineup is not anticipated, but if we had to play a game tonight, what's the starting lineup on the offensive line? It's bad. So we're going to fill some of those holes with wave two players. Guys that Ryan Poe says, you know, these are the guys who will sign one-year contracts and they want to prove something. You know what? They, that's not that's not a, a foolproof plan. And so I'm frustrated by that. And it's not Ryan Poe's fault. Like he said, those are the cards he was dealt. What I'm frustrated by is just simply that Ryan Pace, as Ryan Fernandez says, always overpaid players. He just always made bad decisions. The Adam Shaheen second round choice is still one of the worst drafting mistakes, at least in that round, the second round, where you usually can find a starter or dependable starter for at least four years and maybe more. That was the worst, one of the worst decisions in Chicago Bears drafting history, particularly when you know that George Kittle was picked in the fourth or fifth round and that there were other tight ends available. And then he compounds that by signing Jimmy Graham, you know, and Jimmy Graham still had juice to go, but why, why let him play when you also brought in a, a, a diamond in the rough and Jesper Horstead, who every time he stepped down to the football field made a play, whether it was preseason or regular season. I mean, the list of mistakes is grand. And when you, when and I'm at that point, I try to be a guy that you know I'm going to listen to reason, I'm going to listen to your point of view, and so forth. But I've gotten to the point where if anybody, anybody tells me that Ryan Pace did a good job, I'm just immediately going to say to myself, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And I hate to be that guy. I hate to be that guy that shuts people off. But I'm just totally convinced that he was inept. Mule says, "Oh, you know what I said months ago? Polls has a monumental task ahead of him, and Ryan." from Ryan Pace's incompetency. Mule, Mule, you are absolutely right. By the way, I want to pronounce your name, Mule. 
Moulet. Are you French? <laughs> it would sound better like Mouli. <laughs> thanks for being here. John Hogan, thanks for being here. Ski Dog, Don Burzo is here. Lots of people in the chat room already. We're just uh, eight minutes in. As I mentioned earlier, if you just joined us, uh, Mr. Dan Aguirre is, <laughs> I feel so bad for Dan. If anybody looks forward to this show every week, it is Dan Aguirre. He is just raring, raring to talk football, raring to talk. He just loves doing this. And unfortunately, something happened at his job that is going to uh, mean that he's going to be about 15 to 30 minutes uh, late. Hey, Tony. Um, so, uh, and, and, you know, he's always told me, I live out here in Virginia and there's just nobody to talk bears with. Nobody. And so I am uh, so upset that he, uh, that he is unable to join us now. But he will in a little while and we'll get his take on stuff. What I want to do uh, right now is I want to bring in uh, Johnny Santucci because uh, just prior to the show, he's showing off his bearish T-shirt, you know, and he's going, look at this, man. I'm in the club. I'm in the club. And I'm like, yeah, why, why are you so happy? He goes, Larry Ogunjobi, baby. And so let's bring him to Tim now. He can share his thoughts on why you are such a fan of Mr. Larry Ogunjobi. How are you, Tooch? I'm doing well, although how are you doing? I'm, I might cough a little bit. I've, my asthma has flared up. You know, uh, hang in there, brother. Work with it. Uh, I love this signing, man. This is just a great. This is one of the guys I I liked uh, a lot coming out of college, and the guy that I I, I thought would be a good fit in Eberflus' system. This guy's a beast. I I think I I sent you a picture of him. I should have, I meant to load that up before the show. I was thinking of getting in here. Uh, But uh, this guy, uh, you know, seven sacks from the defensive tackle position last uh, year you gotta love that pressure up the middle this is what you're looking for three technique uh you know someone to uh disrupt the middle of the offensive line and and you know the pressure up the middle you know that's what you're looking for you always talk about it although uh mm-hmm. and uh, this guy you know he's fast he's strong he's mean uh, you're gonna you're gonna forget all about uh, Khalil Mack and everything, you know. It's just uh... and you know what, Tooch? This is a really good way to look at this is Khalil Mack was traded for a second rounder, a sixth rounder, and Larry Ogunjobi because the money that was acquired from uh, the Mack uh, getting rid of Mack's uh, contract. Yes, you got to pay the twenty some million dollars in dead money. That that's that hurts, but you all it also freed up some cap space so that he could make this signing. And you know that Eberflus and, and, and uh, 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 Poles were saying to themselves, "This three tech defensive line position, there's not a lot of great candidates out there. There are very very few, and maybe you know one or two that are available." right now as veterans and so we need to jump on this guy because they jumped fast man they 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 jumped on this and now they're going back to that plan of waiting for wave two guys and being patient and find them finding the bargains but you know that they said to themselves we just can't take a chance that somebody of his caliber is going to be available three days four days after free agency so they jumped on him and and that was a great great move i hope the only thing that bothers me a little bit is the ankle, right? You know, it's another one of these signings by 
the Bears where they're picking, drafting or picking up a guy who has a injury history and so forth. And so I don't want OTAs to come around and, yeah, Larry Ogunjobi was watching from the sidelines. Yeah, it's the first preseason game, and Larry Ogunjobi is in the street clothes watching the action. Oh, we don't know. He's uh, doubtful for game one. I don't want that. I want him in there all 17 games and playing at a high level. That's my only concern with Larry Ogunjobi. <laughs> Yeah, he did suffer an injury against the Raiders sort of uh, towards the end of the season, but uh, he mm-hmm. should be fine. Uh, I know, hope so. Uh, yeah, I don't know how – I've been trying to surf for information on how, you know, the surgery went and all that stuff and just this no, nothing out there. Yeah, if I could get this photo loaded up here, you'll <laughs> get the bar, bar flies fired up here. Oh, man, look at that. Look at this, look at this guy. For those of you listening He's on the audio a little, podcast, little, a little bit of muscle. <laughs> yes. For those of you listening on the audio podcast, uh, Tooch just put up a photograph of Larry Ogan Gobi in uh, a muscle tee, uh, tight shorts, and there's just muscles everywhere. And that, yeah, this is this is the guy. As I looked at tape, he's got that muscular ability, that power strength to blow pie uh, guards and also handle some double teams. And as let me let me play a soundbite for you guys. This is uh, Everflus talking about what they're looking for in a three tech, and this is what Larry Ogan Joby is. Yeah, so three technique. You know, you guys have known you know the great names of the of the business is disruptive. You know, you got to be disruptive. You got to be able to do a couple things as a three technique. Number one, you got to win your one on one matchup. Okay, and when when they run zone away from you, you got to be able to stay in the B gap. If I can say it that simple. So th- those those are the two things we look for, and and they come in all shapes and sizes, you know. And you you've seen it, but explosive ath- athletic ability is the number one trait. That's what we got in Larry Ogunjobi, and I can't wait to see him suited up. I wonder what number he's going to. He had sixty five with Cincinnati Bengals, which is uh, kind of an unusual number, right, for a defensive tackle. So, but uh, he'll probably wear that number. Does anybody have 65 now? Is it Cody Whitehair? Yeah, I think it's Cody Whitehair. So you might have to wrestle that away. I'm betting on on Larry Okunjobi to wrestle that number away uh, if indeed that is uh, Whitehair's number. I'm not good with jersey numbers. You know, somebody who is really good with jersey numbers is Dan. Dan and I went to two games this past season, and he he can call out jersey numbers. There's somebody walking down the aisle from the opposing team, number 23, he'll point out who that guy is and so forth. He's a big jersey guy and jersey numbers guy. So uh, Dan, Dan is that guy. Let me read uh, uh, some of the uh, 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 chat questions and comments. Uh, this is from Kefalo. Aldo, question, would you trade Fields and a first-round pick for Watson? You know what? Okay, follow. That is a effing great question because, you know, Deshaun Watson is a proven quarterback. This guy had it had a prior to what happened last season, a Hall of Fame trajectory. My only concern with making a deal for Deshaun Watson, because I would make that trade, by the way, I would make if if it wasn't for the allegations against Deshaun Watson, every man is is proven. Uh, is innocent until proven guilty, uh, and the grand jury has decided not to pursue charges against them. But he does have, what is it, 22 women have filed civil lawsuits against him. And if this is a coordinated attack against him by these women, and that's one hell of a coordinated attack, um, 
I'm very, very sensitive uh, to men who are uh, who harass women. Uh, and um, I, it, just because of that, I would almost like put a ban on having anybody in a team that ha it has been proven that they have committed that kind of abuse. You know, if a guy goes into a bar and beats the shit out of somebody who's razzing him and so forth, I can deal with that. But if a guy is uh, making sexual, sexually suggestive uh, comments and the woman has told him no, or if he is taking her hand and rubbing on his crotch, which is what some of the allegations are, I just don't want anybody like that around my football team and certainly not my family. I'm sorry. I just feel that way. Uh, and I know I might be overreacting to that, but I'm very, very sensitive to that, having had family members who have been victims of sexual abuse. So um, so the answer to that question, excellent question, I was going to ask uh, Dan and Tooch about it, too. My my response is no. Tooch, what do you think about the question by Kefalo? Would you trade Fields and a first-round pick for Watson? At this point, I boy, I I don't know. I uh, I, I like Justin Fields, man. I like the potential, and uh, I mean, even though Watson was acquitted and everything, we'll never know what what was going on. I mean, Fields just seems like a nicer guy, mm -hmm. you know, a little cleaner. Uh, I I just don't get why people are down on Justin Fields. His mechanics are fine. He he was a rookie last year. <laughs> Mm -hmm. He made some awesome throws, man. Uh, with the right coaching staff, I mean, look, Mitch Trubisky just signed a cap-friendly, a cap friendly, team-friendly deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm. And this will be the, the acid test. We'll see, you know, what was the problem with the quarterbacks in Chicago? Was it like Nick Foles said, you know, uh, this offense isn't working. <laughs> You know, and, you know, Mitch Trubisky got bad coaching. Maybe you'll see if he's got better. He's got better coaches in Pittsburgh. That'll be, you know, a little proof to add to that pudding. And then uh, uh, if you look back in time, man, I'm not so sure Dowell Loggins wasn't a better offensive coordinator than Matt Nagy because Mitch actually did okay. I mean, there were times when we couldn't get stuff going with Dowell Loggins. So I don't want to say, you know, it's kind of damning with faint praise. But uh, uh, I, I and Ryan Poles, man, I'll tell you, he's not afraid to chop heads. You know, I mean, look look at the four four guys he got rid of. Traded uh, Khalil Mack. Mm -hmm. We've got an extra second round pick now in this mm -hmm. year's draft. We were short of picks, so a uh, decent move. Um, heard Mike North talking today. Uh, you know, people are saying, "Well, Khalil Mack, you know, he's injured, he can't play anymore." You know, no. He was double team, triple team. You know, that takes a real toll on your body. Um, and Eberflus and company, you know, they, they're going to go with more of a 4-3. You know, so so uh, uh, Khalil Mack probably would end up playing defensive end, you mm -hmm. know, in Eberflus's scheme. Maybe not ideal. Robert Quinn has played, you know, 4-3 defensive end before. So uh, uh, Quinn was obviously, you know, a, a, what a year or two younger and, and a better fit for the for the scheme. Mm -hmm. And then you know you put Ogan Joby up the middle. You know you, you still can resign guys like uh, uh, Akeem Hicks or Bilal Nichols to play that one technique. Although it looks like Bilal Nichols might be, you know, dropping weight to you know rotate in on, you know, with uh, Ogan Joby or 
Oh, I had not seen that. Was there a tweet or some news on that? That's the that's the word. Is that uh, Bilal Nichols was going to get a little leaner and faster, mm-hmm. uh, and then you could have Akeem Hicks back, you know, at a cat friendly deal to play the one technique. You know, then they got rid of Danny Trevathan. All these are probably post June first cuts. You mm-hmm. know, where the team can create more cap space. You know, they're designated as post June first cuts. Uh, mm-hmm. Trevathan and uh, Cohen is an injury, you know, designation. And then uh, uh, Khalil Mack traded. And then uh, I forget who the fourth guy was, right? Yeah, I'm forgetting too. Um, but nonetheless, let me call Dan because he's just Yeah, he's ready. Me. Woohoo! We are on. You're over-modulating just a wee bit. If you can bring that down, we'll be ready to rock and roll. Oh, you sound so sexy. Oh, my God. Oh, I am coming. It is unbelievable. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, Dan. You been getting late lately? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. And I'm, I'm Toch is telling me that he can't hear you. So I'll try to work on that in the next uh, few minutes, Toch. Uh, so hang hang with me. But uh, yeah, so you're, you had an issue with your car. Now you're washing machine. And Dan tweeted me or, or texted me about uh, 45 minutes ago that he's paying $715 for a washing machine after buying one three years ago. Where the hell did you go to buy these things? I think they're saying they can't hear uh, Dan yet either. Oh, okay. Nobody can hear Our Dan. Audience. So let me see what I can do to fix this because, um, yeah, well, you know, that's the way it is. Uh, talk to me, Dan. Just uh, read the Declaration of Independence or something. Hmm. <laughs> That is weird. No, no, no. It's it's a test button that I have. Uh, that is weird. Let's see. Um, I'm, I started the show with the same rant that nothing seems to be working. Uh, oh, I see what's going on. Okay, I see what's going on. Go Try it now, Dan. All right. I'm a disgruntled yeah. fucking asshole yeah. today. Can anybody hear me? <laughs> yeah, you're in now. <laughs> oh my god so saturday i think you said you had the same weather in illinois mm-hmm. like it was like 65 and sunny on friday mm-hmm. then saturday it fucking snowed and the low was 10 but we had 50 mile per hour winds and consequently it made a tree limb cry like impale into my vehicle so i had to file a fucking claim on my jeep and then today my wash machine messed up so i bought the same one f- I had a warranty for three three years. It, it was three and a half years, of course. Yeah, three and a half that's the years. way it always works. They make these machines and say, okay, what do you want to set the warranty? Oh, I'll make it for three years. All right, we, we've adjusted it so that it'll break out three years and two months later. <laughs> and this is for it. the Republicans listening, all right? <laughs> this is a jab at the, the current administration from the liberal. All right. Like, he's got to get a hold of this inflation shit, man. Like, that wash machine... 
three years ago cost me $500 and today cost me $717. You do recall that there was a pandemic that uh, fucked up the whole entire supply chain and fucked the production of washing machines and cars and no, so no, forth. No, no, I, I no, I know. But you don't the thing blame is, most Joe voters, Biden on that. <laughs> no, but most voters are low info. So if he's he's going to lose his ass in the fall, I'm sorry, he is. People are going to blame the gas prices on him, which isn't his fault entirely. Uh, but he's going to get blamed for all of this, and he's going to lose his ass in the fall. But uh, we don't want to lose our asses in the fall with the Bears. So let's try to cheer my fucking self up here. All right. Well, I'm glad that you got past my rant on Ryan Poles. That's over with. We you mean Ryan Pace, right? Uh, yeah, Ryan Pace. Pace. God damn it. See, I knew that this would be trouble with the Ryans of the maps. <laughs> I think the reason is, is that here we are, you know, free agency has started and we are forced to take this approach where the majority of free agents that we're going to sign, other than Larry Ogunjobi, everyone else is going to be a so-called wave two free agent because Ryan Pace has so badly messed up the economics of this team. Oh, well, you know, the pandemic had something to do with it. Yeah, well, fucking other teams faced the pandemic too. Look at the Chargers. How can they afford Khalil Mack's contract and then acquire all these other studs? I mean, they have a defense that's going to rival the 85 Bears defense. They are loaded with players. And then we see team after team acquiring players that I thought would be perfect for the Bears. Even guys who are, in my mind so-called second tier free agents we've already lost Cedric Wilson the the really up and coming D D Dallas Cowboys wide receiver he should be a Chicago Bear but we're forced into this approach because Ryan Poles had to blow up the remnants of the garbage that Ryan Pace left behind that's why I was, I'm mad no no it's certainly a good argument and I hadn't really <laughs> dove that deep into it I guess I, I again I've just moved on but it's kind of like, it's the same thing. Like I had to take a four-year loan, you know, to buy my ex-wife out of that divorce. And I've got less than a year left on that loan. So I'm still paying for that divorce. And we're still paying for Ryan Pace when I'd kind of just moved on and put my head in the sand on him. So I guess you're right. I mean, the Jarvis Landry is available potentially. I know that he's being rumored to go to Kansas City. But somebody like that could be a big pickup for us if we can just kind of Make a move here or there. I, I, I was somewhat perplexed by the back that we got from, I guess we claimed him off waivers from Tennessee because I, I liked our two backs. And mm -hmm. I know we cut Cohen, but I thought Herbert was going to be sort of our third down back. Um, but I guess they just want a little shifty, you know, like Darren Sproles kind of guy for the quote-unquote third down. I don't know. I like the signing of the uh, the guy from Cincinnati, you know, uh, he could be our new Akeem Hicks or new Tommy Harris. Exactly. But, you know, we still need some help. We lost James Daniels to Pittsburgh. Obviously, Trubisky's gone to Pittsburgh now, so Mike North can can kill you with that analysis. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this morning, he, he he called me yesterday as soon as news came out, and, he, and he's like this. Hey, 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 let's do a show tomorrow. I'm so happy. Let's do a jamboree tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, Mike, let's do it. <laughs> you know, I honestly think with a real coach, and Mike Tomlin is a real coach, mm -hmm. and they'll be running waggles and bootlegs and play action, and they'll, they will play to his strengths more often than not. And he's going to perform well there if he stays healthy, in my opinion, because they'll know how to get the best out of him, unlike the bald fuck that we had. Mm -hmm. But uh, to, to finish my little rant Please. there, 
I guess if we can we can still get a receiver somewhere. Oh yeah, someone sure. someone like Jarvis Landry maybe, yeah. and then then we're happy, right? Because we got a receiver, we still need help on the line and maybe in the secondary. But I mean, all things equal, we got the guy in the middle in the front we wanted that we needed. I don't know about that running back signing, but uh, okay, let's let's trust him. Let's trust him. Let's see what here's, he does. Here's the thing about let, let's look at the wide receiver position. We are not going to have a number, a true number one wide receiver next season. Like Allen Robinson was a true number one. And you can talk about, you know, he, he did this last year. He didn't play hard enough or whatever. But nonetheless, he was a true number one. Those two years under Mitch Trubisky where he caught 100 passes each season, true number one. He's being Great looked, playoff game. Great playoff game, exactly. And he is being looked at, at, at by a lot of teams as a number one wide receiver. We're not going to have Allen Robinson. And and there is no – Jarvis Landry is not a number one. I don't know who is still left at wide receiver at, at the free, uh, free free agents, but we're not. Now, we could get a, a serviceable wide receiver via free agency like a Jarvis Landry, and we could also land a gem. A This is a deep draft wide receivers, and so we could have a solid wide receiver core, but we're, we're not going to have that guy – that the quarterback, Justin Fields, can depend on. And at the press conference, Matt Eberflus said, we have done studies before about what second-year quarterbacks need most. What were the results of that uh, study? The results were that they need a dependable guy during a clutch moment uh, of the game, a third and nine, I'll, I'll play with it. You got to get pick up that he can look at that guy and he knows that that guy can make the tough catch. And it, it really, A-Rob was that guy. You know, he, he may have missed on a couple of catches, but for the most part, his length and his ability to box out players, defenders and so forth, he could make that critical catch. I mean, I can show you highlights of diving catches by A-Rob and stuff. We were so proud of him during those two seasons where he excelled so much. We're not going to have that guy. And that worries me. That worries me, especially for Justin Fields. He needs weapons. I agree. And uh, not so much on bringing back A-Rob, but the the theory of of the number one receiver, I certainly agree with. I just think for A-Rob, the personality, even though it's a new regime, just there's a lot of hurt feelings. It's almost like you went through a breakup. You tried to get back together. It didn't work. You know, I feel like for both sides, it's a it's a clean break kind of thing right now. Uh, but having said that, I agree with your analysis. And what compounds that even more, I know you sort of disagree with me on this part, but I think the commit is a long way to go. And so you can't really depend on your tight end to be that go-to guy either, unless you have Horstead in there. Horstead's got great hands. I don't know why he can't get more time. Maybe he's too slow. But uh, you got to have somebody, that, like you said, his go-to guy, and maybe that will be Mooney, I, I, but you'd like to have somebody else uh, to go along with him because you know they can double him and take him out if if he's the only target. What are your thoughts about Tariq Cohen no longer being a Chicago Bear? I hate that for him. I do, but I understand the uh, the business side. Uh, I mean, if you if it's almost been two full years and you can't pass the physical, then you may not be able to play again at all. Period. That could have been career ending. I mean, it looked bad when when it happened, and I felt sick for him because, like I said, he had just signed that contract, which in hindsight is great for him. But I honestly thought at the time, ooh, that looks really bad. And they didn't even throw a flag on it, which was more sickening than anything. Uh, But emotionally, I wish he were still here because I did like him. I like the underdog, five foot seven kind of guy. 
uh, showing that he's tough and all that. But from the the stone cold business side of the league, if you can't run, you can't play. And that is another complaint I have about Ryan Pace. I don't blame him so much for drafting Tariq. This guy had exceptional skills and so forth. But as his career went on, it was er early on, you can tell, this guy doesn't want to face punishment. He was running for sidelines as early as week four or five of his rookie season. And that's okay. I'll give him that because as long as you can make big plays after big plays, that's cool. But by season two, he wasn't making those big plays. He had a little bit of resurgence in season three and then the injury, but it was obvious that he didn't have the physical makeup to play professional football for a long period of time. Let, um, let me interrupt on that. Please, and please. just, just you can be right. I mean, your opinion could be completely right, and everyone could agree with you on that. Usually is. But one, I will <laughs> go back and say that that's Nagy's fault. Like yes. John Fox, John Fox knew how to utilize Tariq Cohen by his second year. Nagy's there. And of course, Jordan Howard's stats go down. Tariq Cohen's stats go down. This guy didn't know how to manage the running back position. Yeah. I think it's Nagy's fault. If Fox would have stayed there, not that we necessarily wanted to keep Fox, but in hindsight, it would have been much better for Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think that you're right about Nagy not doing a good job and utilizing Tariq and some of the other skill players that he had and, and, and the quarterback, you know, Trubisky, as much as I dislike him, you know, uh, Nagy didn't do him any favors. No, but, he didn't. But I'm going to stick to my guns on that. Tariq just did not, does not have that muscle bulk, that muscle fiber to withstand punishment. And so what happens after you give him the extension, a nice, beautiful extension that he deserves. Hey, these guys are putting their lives on the line. He he played by the rules. and But what happens? He, he suffers a serious ACL injury that, has on taken a punt return. on a punt return that has taken longer to recuperate from than any other ACL that I can recall. And, and, and he must have re-injured that, and it just has never been yeah. uh, disclosed. If you remember, and this is going back a long while, and that's even more the point because medicine, in theory, over the last 25 years has come a long way, right? Mm -hmm. So Rod Woodson... Now, granted, Rod Woodson's a Hall of Famer, and maybe that's not a fair comparison to Tariq, but he had an ACL injury in week one of 1995, and he managed to come back and play the Super Bowl that same year, Super Bowl 30. Mm -hmm. After tearing his ACL in week one in September of 95, by January of 96, he's in the Super Bowl playing, and the majority of the game. Mm -hmm. So, And that's you know 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, his injury, either he had a tremendous setback that, they were being vague about and wouldn't disclose, or his injury was just freakishly bad. Now, it did look awful. Mm -hmm. It looked terrible. I hate that he's gone. I really do, because if, if, like I told you last week, if you remember in the playoff game, you know, it's like, ah, oh, shit, Foles just threw that touchdown to that little bastard Tate, and now what, what are we going to do? Well, let's put Cohen back there to return kicks. Well, he normally doesn't return kicks. A kick return. So what? Let's put Tariq back there. And he he, and he takes it back to almost midfield. Mm -hmm. So he he was a playmaker. He was. He, he wasn't Devin Hester, but no. he had a little bit of that in him, though. Like, oh, shit, he could get free. Mm -hmm. And, that, yeah, we don't have that now without without Grant yeah. and without Cohen and without Patterson. We kind of don't have that at all. 
Yeah. You know, I I was thinking about this the other day. I just want to share this quickly as a digression point. Uh, Devin Hester was so great at, at being that one cut returner. He'd receive the ball at the goal line, wherever, and then he's running forward, and then he's looking for that one hole to make that cut. The problem that I always had with Tariq is that because he, he – and I'm, I'm assuming because he didn't want to face contact as much, he was looking for multiple cuts. I mean, I was at the game against San Francisco when he was going backwards and everyone in the stands, including myself, was saying, no, where are you going? You're going, well, go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, th- there's a big difference between that style. And it was like Barry Sanders, Don Burke can, can talk to this. Uh, Barry Sanders would in, in some games have multiple runs of negative yards, but then he had yeah. that 60, 70, 80 yard. And by the end of the game, he's got stats of 150 yards how, rushed. How many times is Bear fans? And it was a valid point, but I understand the press being mad at him for saying it too. But how many times did we hear poor Dave Wanstead say like, well, fuck, the defense only gave up 30 yards if you don't, if you take away those two 60 yard <laughs> runs of Barry had. Yes. Which is true. You could have him bottled up the whole game and then suddenly he breaks free two times late in the game. Uh, and so it happened, and it always seemed to happen to the beleaguered Bears when Wani was there. Yep. We're about to take it back, back, back. For Fox, Fox is an opening. As you know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are both going to Monday Night Football, which is amazing. Yeah, isn't that? That, that they allowed that to happen, especially considering Buck had one year left on his deal, and they have the Super Bowl this year. You thought he would want to do the Super Bowl, but... I guess he's going to forego that and his baseball gig. Mm-hmm. But now maybe they put Kevin Burkhart as the play-by-play guy because he was their number two. Or maybe they looked at Gus Johnson and say, well, Gus, you are our premier college guy, mm-hmm. and you've been doing some low-end games with uh, Akeem Tlaib, so maybe we can put you as the number one guy. Because we've only had one black guy call a Super Bowl, and that was Greg Gumble. So oh, wow. you, you could have uh, another – an opportunity for someone that's obviously qualified. Mm-hmm. But the, having said that, that leaves a hole in the play-by-play. And Wani was really good at that, especially when he did college and stuff. Not, he did a few NFL games uh, about a decade ago. Yeah. He's That would be a good opening for him. Obviously, Jay Cutler's trying to get in there too. Yeah, Jay Cutler announced on ESPN that he's trying uh, – ESPN Radio, I believe it was, that he was trying to get back uh, into the broadcast booth. He had that deal to be uh, – one of the announcers for Fox and on the number two team as well. They were going to put him as the number two announcer, but he got 10 million from the Dolphins. It's kind of hard to turn that down. Yep, it, it is, but he should have because <laughs> that was not a good uh, year for he him. He beat Tom Brady on Monday Night Football, and who would have thought that motherfucker was going to come back? Yeah, well, who? who and oh. Nick, Nick Foles beat Tom Brady too, so miracles can happen, right? <laughs> right, I guess so. And I think Foles, despite the fact that Brady has uh, a really tremendously good-looking woman and always will and has. Uh, Foles, as we know, has a great cock, though. <laughs> a big dick, Nick Foles. <laughs> yeah, you can't overlook the big cock. Now, do you know this firsthand? <laughs> I'm telling you, his nickname was Big Dick Nick. Could be because he's an asshole, so they call him Big Dick. <laughs> I, you know, is he is he going to be our backup? Well, he's under contract for next season. Uh, fuck it. I wouldn't mind if he's the backup. You know, no. the, uh, I would prefer somebody like Tyrod Taylor, but that's not going to happen. He signed with the Giants today. 
Um, I would prefer somebody a little bit more of the Justin Fields mold so that if uh, Fields had to miss any time, whether it's a play or a game or so, you know, we, we have we put a quarterback in there who has the same skill set. But, you know, Nick Foles has, has done well in his career as a backup. So uh, there could be worse, worse areas. We, yeah, we've he's kind of like a, a sixth man on, on the NBA. Yeah. Like an, like an instant offense. Let's okay. You're not good enough to start, but God damn it. You can come in and give us 10 points in three minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, like instant offense, which, which, uh, um, um, a six man. Can you, would you compare him to, uh, Scalabrini. Well, Scalabrini wasn't a six man. He was yeah, like, the so like, cur- <laughs> like currently I'm not watching a game. Unfortunately now, uh, back, let's just say 20 years ago, that's the way the Rockets utilized Katino Mobley. Mm-hmm. They'd bring Cat Mobley off the bench, and and he would just tear it up, man. When he came in, yeah, he's still schooling cats at age like forty five in those like summer league games. His hair's all gray and shit, but he's still killing him because he can uh, he can shoot. Yeah, he, can. he had a heart condition though that uh, he can't sustain eighty two games anymore. I you know I, I'm scrolling down my phone to look at that audio that you sent me of Isaiah Thomas. I want to talk about it. I don't know if we should talk about it an hour or later, but I, I want to play that for people and then have you comment on yeah, it. Yeah, it's a bull show too. Why not? I'm sure they have interest in it. Yeah, let me see if I can find it. Do you have it handy? Um, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I can resend it. The one segment was specifically now I, l- let me preface this. All right? I started by telling you what he said about Oakley. He wasn't disparaging Charles Oakley when he said it. It's when Jordan got brought up. Mm-hmm. He's like, he was talking about when they were beating them. He's like, but they traded Oakley to give, you know, picked up Bill Cartwright because Cartwright's a little bit nastier, gives Jordan more protection. And I always thought, man, Oakley's a, a fucking warrior in there. I thought though, mm-hmm. but uh, it was an interesting take because I always thought that Oakley was tough, but uh, yeah, he, he talked about, I have it by the way. I just need to load it up. So don't, don't need to. Okay. Send there's it. two segments. Now one was talking about, hold, hold on just a second. Let's make sure that the audience knows exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about Isaiah Thomas uh, of the Detroit Pistons, bad boys. Uh, clearly uh, Jordan said some uncomplimentary things about him during the last dance documentary, which and, the, he was asked about. He didn't bring this up. Right. Exactly. So uh, take it from there. Well, Isaiah was on Igradawa's uh, uh, podcast. And they were just asking him of the differences of the era. And I think you would really like it because he was talking about things that are really deep, like uh, how he was the first uh, African-American owner. And uh, he was explaining how the this, the Raptors thing came in and the CBA deal. And then they went into this really deep hole about how uh, he wasn't whining. He was just giving examples of how the term like owner and stuff is disparate to black athletes and, and things like that. So it's hard for me as a white man to be dismissive of what he and, uh, and the players are agreeing with him. So uh, it's a really deep dive on social issues too. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not just like, oh, let me whine about Jordan. But the part you want to play, uh, one part was talking about, he was like, man, they make it sound like Jordan overcame the, the Celtics and he beat Larry and you know, he never beat Bird as one of the things I read and then he beat Kareem and, you know, and he went through Isaiah and he's like, that's my fucking story. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm the one, it was our team that did that. And he, then the last dance got brought up and the dream team 92. And he said the part, I think to piss you off, he was saying that for years, Jordan told him face to face that, Hey, I didn't have anything to do with that. And then on the, he sort of admits it on the last dance. If you want to put it on me, put it on me. I fucking hate Isaiah. 
And Isaiah was like, well, man, it's like he's throwing rocks from the sidelines because to my face, he's saying that he didn't do it. And he's like, you know, he's, he just thought it was bullshit because they, he was reading the criteria of what they were given on who was going to be eligible. And he fit all the criteria. And he pointed out he had more championships than Jordan at that time, too. Mm-hmm. So Jordan only had one going into that, and Isaiah had two. And he's like, not only did I not make it, Rodman didn't make it. You know, Joe Dumars didn't make it. You're talking about people that could have made it. He said that John Stockton told him, like, hey, man, I'm sorry. Like, you should probably be on this team. And and that was another point, and I'll let you play it. But he's he goes, on the last dance, he's like, they show Pippen. They show Jordan saying, like, nobody wanted him on the team. Nobody liked him. And he's like, that's funny. I was friends with Magic. He was like, I was friends with Stockton. I was friends with Malone. He, he, he's like, I was friends with Larry Bird. He's like, but you didn't ask any of them about me. He just, he, they just put the bulls on there. So again, I understand where Isaiah was coming from, but I know Aldo said, fuck Zeke. That's <laughs> what so he said immediately. So, yep. I'm not a fan of him. A kid grew up in Chicago. love his story. Love his mother. Love what he uh, had to overcome and so forth. But it was clear to me uh, since the the early days of his professional career that he was a rotten apple. Uh, he was a cheater. He uh, and, and this is something that's gone on past his career. He's he's had all sorts of pro- legal issues and so forth. I just don't think he's a good person. And for the record, in the last dance, Michael Jordan said, now this is what he said, not, not me, but he said, I never told anybody not to have Zeke on the team. They asked me, you know, did I like him and so forth? And he gave him an honest opinion, but he never said no about being on the team. And Michael added that he thinks that Zeke is probably the second greatest point guard of all time. I'll behind play, Magic, right? Behind Magic, exactly. I'll play yeah. the clip. If you can't hear it, uh, let me know. It's three, two, one. Last dance. And for all these years, I never knew. I never knew how Jordan really felt. It's like he'd been hiding behind the, the tree throwing rocks, right? But letting somebody else take the blame. And so now it comes out where he's like, okay, well, if y'all want to blame it on me, I hate Isaiah. I never knew he, he felt this way. Yeah, that's right. Crazy. So, so now I'm looking at him like, wait, okay, time out. So I didn't make the team because, and this is where I go to the authorities of the selectors. I go to them and I say, it, we should never be in a position where a player can say to the selection committee that this one can't play. I mean, that's that's your responsibility as the selectors on the selection committee. Now, if Jordan didn't want to play, I still think we'd have won. For sure. Right. I still think we would have won. But the fact that Jordan felt that way. And this is the first time I've ever heard him publicly say, I hate him. So now it's like, okay, well, if you felt that way, then why all this time we've been around each other, you've been acting different, right? So to publicly say you hate somebody, and now I'm like, okay, I'm not on the dream team. And then this narrative, well, nobody liked Isaiah, so forth and so on. It's like, wait, hold, hold on, hold on. I got Carl Malone number in my in my in my phone. I got Stockton number in my phone. I got you know Magic in my phone. I got Bird in my phone. All these guys y'all saying didn't like me, but yet y'all only interviewing Jordan and Pippen. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's not about you, Zeke. Yeah, it's like it's like, like timeout. Yeah. <laughs> nah, and, and then and then this narrative that you know, and I'm 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 keeping this straight 100. I'm giving y'all real good stuff here, so I hope this helps uh, on your podcast. But yeah, 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 yeah. I'm giving y'all real good stuff. So so now, so now it's like okay, this narrative that. Jordan, you know, came to Chicago and took Chicago. Now, now the Chicago I'm from, I'm from the west side of Chicago. I never got, I didn't go to Michigan Avenue. I used to shine shoes. I used to shine shoes in Oak Park, Forest Park, you know, and yeah, that's why I used to shine. I tried to shine shoes one time on Rush Street and they kicked me off Rush Street. So I couldn't go to Michigan Avenue and Rush Street. So when they talk about Chicago, oh, fuck this guy. I'm just, uh, it makes me sick. Makes me sick I to love Isaiah. To and the thing <laughs> that, look, I, I will never say that Jordan isn't better than Isaiah. Of course he is. But the thing, I defend Barry Bonds and Clemens the same way. I feel like just because people don't like them, like I don't think, I, even if that was true, I don't think I, Isaiah deserved to be an Olympian. The same as I think the, that Clemens and Bonds deserve to be in the Hall of Fame now. And conversely, and this is controversial with Bears fans, I think so many people liked Erlacher that that put him in in the first ballot, and he didn't deserve it. It's a popularity contest at times, and that that like Devin Hester should have been in this year without question, but he didn't have Dan Pompey cheerleading him on and someone representing him, obviously. But but I think if you just talk about people's ability, that's what should matter. Like Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame too, you know. And and, and now we've got Calvin Ridley kind of doing the Pete Rose thing, getting suspended for gambling it's i'm just saying i don't like it when people are vilified and when they are it's like there's their game their stats and shit and their championships don't matter dan dan who who coached the uh the, the dream team i know it was chuck daly but why, that did, why didn't mean he chuck fight for him team. why didn't he fight for him maybe he did how do we know chuck's dead then, chuck's not here to say that he didn't he he never publicly said that he fought for him he he the the the, the narrative is pretty simple here Jordan and Isaiah Thomas had a rift that started when Isaiah Thomas freezed Michael Jordan out of the All-Star game. A decade game. earlier, that's a little bit frivolous, don't no, you no, think, no, in an I'm, exhibition okay, game? Okay, you're interrupting me. I, I always, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. My bad, my bad. I, 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 so th- that's where the narrative began. Then the the the, bo- the boiling blo- uh, blood between these guys just got more and more intense during the playoffs when the bad boys were were fuck, fucking the NBA rules up. They weren't just fouling Pippen and Jordan. They were fucking assaulting them, criminal assault. They were they were they didn't give a shit if they were going to injure these guys for the rest of their careers, leave them crippled. That's how bad some of those fouls were. And so that's nothing to just say, yeah, I forgive you. It's all part of the game because it's not part of the fucking game. And so the Bulls said that publicly before they swept them out of that playoff. They said publicly what the bad boys have done is they have tarnished the game of basketball. That's not the way basketball is supposed to be played. And so what happened? Little baby Zeke got pissed off. He got mad. And so you see it on the CBS cameras. 
uh, uh, Thomas on the sideline telling his teammates, we're going to walk out, we're going to walk out. He says it to Chuck Daly, and Chuck Daly tries to say, no, don't go. But there they go. They walk out right in front of Pip and Jordan, Horace Grant, and so forth. Sore fucking losers. That's what they were. So that blab blood, Zeke can talk about, well, why did you say that to me face to face? Fuck you. You know he didn't like you. You know he hated you. So you're a fucking liar for saying shit like that. Now, that that bad blood continued even after that playoff game. So come come to the Olympics if you're going to take Jordan's word that he says, yeah, I, I would rather not play for him, but it's your decision. Well, then the U.S. Olympic Committee and Chuck Daly say, who would you rather have, Zeke or Jordan? Fuck it, Jordan. And so you you definitely have enough players. You could have had Jordan and all college players, and they would have won the gold medal. But so you really didn't need I think to. you view this is just my opinion and I appreciate your passion because I have the same passion you do for the football team here just not the basketball team but I feel I feel like sometimes you you just view this through the Jordan lens uh, and I'll give you an example uh so you didn't like Detroit and I get it I get it because that was see, I like both teams I like both teams in in this I w- I'm just a basketball fan of that era so I like watching both of those squads but anyway uh Bill, Bill Lambeer, whom you obviously wouldn't like, given the, the his style of play, in the Eastern Conference Finals in 87, I mean, Robert Parrish hits him with the fucking punch that would have knocked somebody out in a boxing ring in the nose in front of two refs. They don't even call a foul. And in today's game, he would have been ejected and fined and probably suspended like four games. But it happened in front of everybody. It almost broke Lambeer's nose. And nobody gave a fuck. And you just watch the Lakers and the Celtics, man. They were killing each other. The same hard fouls you're talking about Detroit doing. Kevin McHale's doing those too. And it, it, watch the Lakers uh, 30 for 30, for instance. The Lakers, Johnson, Magic, all of them are, are not Kareem, but, you know, Worthy. All of them were telling you on there. The reason they lost in 84, they had a better team. They had better athletes, you know, everything. But Boston got in their head by being physical with them and just kept fouling the fuck out of them, and it got them out of their game. He said they weren't mentally ready to play in 84 because Boston was so dirty and tough, but yet they still respect them. But it's the same kind of fouls that you attribute to the bad boys that the Celtics were using too. As I'm saying, it's a product of of that entire era. It wasn't just Detroit. They kind of just get the bad rap from it, in my opinion. I'm not preaching or anything. That's just my opinion. I think as Bulls fans, a lot of that is just that hatred's given to Detroit. But I, I, again, I think if you zoom out, that's the way the whole the upper echelon of the league was played at that time. Totally. Uh, the uh, commissioner at the time, David Stern, let things get out of control. So the blame always starts at the top, just like it starts when, when I was ranting and raving about Ryan Pace. It really was George McCaskey's fault. George McCaskey should have realized after three or four seasons that he made a mistake with Ryan Pace. And when Ryan Pace came in and said, yeah, we need to draft a quarterback uh, after the Mitch Trubisky mistake, George McCaskey should have said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why should I fucking trust you to ruin the next quarterback we're going to bring in just like you ruined Mitchell Trubisky? Oh, well, we didn't ruin Mitchell Trubisky. He just wasn't as good as we thought he was. Well, then you made the decision to draft Mitchell Trubisky, right? L- listen, Ryan, 
Pack your fucking shit and get the hell out of here before I have security throw you out of your head. That's what should have happened from the get-go. And that's what should have happened with David Stern. He should have uh, policed the game uh, further. It wasn't until there were players were going up into the stands that the NBA realized, oh. holy shit, we got a yeah, big Yeah, the problem malice here. of the palace. Yeah. We're, we allow these guys to play this dirty type of basketball. This is going to be, get really out of hand. And so finally they, they started to do something. And trust me, I love the game of basketball, but when it's played dirty, and and and, and trust me, I used to play dirty because I had no skills. I didn't, I didn't have the speed and the quickness to guard, guard, guard guys. And so the, they're going to come at me. I'm going to hack them and so forth until the guy threatens to kick my ass. So that's the way I played. But in the NBA, it shouldn't be that way. It, it's a beautiful sport, and it should be about the athleticism and so forth and what Mahorn and Lambeer and Isaiah and Rodman did back then. When Rodman was traded to the Chicago Bulls, or they, yeah, it was a trade, but won't Purdue. I was yeah. so upset. I mean, how can you bring this guy in? Don't you remember what he did to us? Don't you remember he was part? He gave you three championships. Yeah, and, and so after that, I loved him. <laughs> so I, know, know, if I'm, you I listen to that entire, <laughs> my bad. I was going to say, if you listen to that entire interview with Isaiah, that one of the cool things he was talking about, and he was giving specifics, and it, as it related to himself, he was t showing you how it affected him too. He said in that era, more so than today, the game was so much more mental. Mm -hmm. He was talking about all the studying he did, hours and hours of studying before he played, say, Jordan. You know, what, which, where does he want to go? Is he going to go left? Is he going to go right? What's her tendencies? You know, he said you had to know all that stuff. But the main thing was you tried to frustrate or to get in the other player's head. And he gave an example. He said when we play Boston in the playoffs, he was like, you know, like Chuck would say, he, he's told him specifically, don't at that situation, don't double bird. Mm -hmm. He was just late in the game, whatever he gets the board and Isaac, he sees bird with the ball and he panics and he goes over and, and doubles him and he passes to Ainge. He hits a three, they lose. And Chuck was like, what the fuck, man? I told you. He's like, oh man. He's like, you're right. It's my, it's on me. I panicked. He's like, I saw a bird with the ball and I was like, oh shit, not him. So it was like, He's like, that's what I, what's what we wanted to do as Pistons was to get in your head to where you weren't doing your normal things. You had to worry about other stuff. He's like, that was the thing. And that's the way Boston played them. Mm -hmm. And that that's the way they tried to play the Bulls. He was like, it's the same thing. Like the Celtics were their bullies is what he was pointing out. And when they overcame me, again, they didn't say it on this interview, but the Celtics walked out on them too with the exception of Mikhail, Mikhail gave Isaiah a big handshake, but the rest of the team walked off and he know. goes, we weren't offended by that. It's like, you know, they didn't have to formally pass the torch, but I, I get it. I get Michael wanting them to like, I think a lot of that could have been avoided. All this shit could have been avoided if in Chicago stadium, if Isaiah just shakes his fucking hand. Well, and it doesn't even have to be that Dan. He, he just should have waited till there were zeros on the clock. To walk off the court. But just shake his hand. Shake don't his don't hand. even have to. I, I don't think there would have been any bad blood if after the game is over and as the Bulls are celebrating, then leave the court. But to walk out when there's still time on the clock and right in front of them, that's a bad look. That's basically raising your finger up to them as you're walking by them. That's what they did. And I agree with you. To, I agree with and, you. And to look at it from their point of view, they felt the same way. They felt that what Jordan was doing was spitting on their championships because they won them and 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 with that the bad boys uh, and he gave the that press conference saying that 
uh, the, before game four, like I'm looking forward to sweeping them because they're bad basketball and nobody likes them. And they felt insulted by his press conference the day before. Uh, it was like, man, you know, God, uh, Boston didn't do that to us. Mm-hmm. The Lakers didn't do that to us. And we didn't do that to them when they were beating us and we overcome it. And here's this guy on the precipice of, of doing what we did with these other teams. And he's basically saying, you know, we're not worthy of that respect. So I get Isaiah's side of that too. But still, at the end of the day, if this were a movie, you would want Isaiah to say, you know what, 23, it's your time now. Go beat the Lakers. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. It would have been nice. But anyway, yeah, we've got exactly. breaking news, Dan. All right, what do we got? The Chicago Bears have signed. We got a signing? Yeah. Is it a lineman? It's a linebacker. Okay, I'll take that. Somebody who's probably going to play alongside Roquan Smith. His name is Nicholas Morrow. You ever heard of him? I'm in a Bears bunker. Who's he from? <laughs> the Raiders. The Raiders, this according to uh, Philly Voice, uh, uh, the Raiders had success converting Nicholas Morrow from a safety into a linebacker after signing him as an undrafted free agent in 2017. In 2020, Morrow allowed just four-point yards per ta- target per pro football reference. He was also a threat as a blitzer as he collected three sacks and eight pressures on that season. In 2021, last season, Morrow was a free agent, but he signed back up with the Raiders on a fully guaranteed one-year deal worth $4.5 million. However, he suffered an ankle injury during training camp and missed the entire season. The Chicago Bears have now signed uh, Nicholas Morrow per Brad Biggs, and that means... How many years? Uh, didn't see the details on that. See, spent the last four seasons. No, no details on how many years. I'm betting it's a one year kind of prove it thing. This guy, you know, is coming off an injury. He showed some promise in 2020. He's a speedy guy, played safety. Now he's been moved to middle line, or excuse me, to inside linebacker, maybe outside linebacker. I'm not quite sure. And as Mo Beerman says, and as you know, Dan Erlacher was a safety in college, and so exactly. uh, that's the. Name of the game now, you want linebackers who can run sideline to sideline and can drop back into pass coverage. And this and guy, Roquan can definitely do that. Right. So this is one of those wave two under-the-radar signings, and you just keep your fingers crossed that he's going to stay healthy and that he can potentially be Roquan Smith's uh, uh, running mate at that inside linebacker position. And by the way, Dan, and I'll ask you too, Johnny Santucci, are you guys worried about – re-signing Roquan Smith. I mean, he has no agent. He's, I think he's his own agent or his mom is his agent and so forth. And I'm kind of worried that shouldn't this be done now? If it were done now, you could free up some salary cap space because you can backload some of that money. And just like Aaron fucking Rogers signs for $50 million for the next three years, $150 million contract. And what happens because of the miracle of the NFL fucking accounting and frees up more money to sign more guys. It's like, this doesn't seem fair. So why aren't it the doesn't. bears doing that sign Roquan Smith for five years contract that opens up money so that you can go after some valued free agents. Some of the top guys go after Juju Smith Schuster, go after some, some key names, go after that left tackle, Teron Armstead. And so, you know that Justin Fields will be protected from the blind side for the next five years. What the hell is going on with, with uh, Roquan and not signing him? I don't get that. Is the, the only thing I can say potentially, and the, this is just me trying to come up with an answer, maybe they're waiting to see how he appears in a new scheme come training camp or the OTAs. They want to see him 
how he responds to the new scheme. I mean, he's been in a 3-4, now he's in a 4-3, so I'm just spitballing here. Mm. I I would get the deal done. Yeah, I think he and David Montgomery, if from my perspective, need to be re-signed. I think that um, if if Roquan cannot excel at that weak side linebacker in in this uh, 4-3 scheme, then there's something terribly wrong. I mean, this is so suited to, for his abilities. To play that linebacker where you don't have to have a tight end over you, you're basically allowed to free will, free wheel. Uh, Mo Beerman says Quan started off a bit of a head case. Hopefully he has. I was going to mention this. <laughs> Remember that uh, Ro- Ro- Roquan yeah, signing the, his the Vikings game. Mm-hmm. Ro- Roquan signing his first pr- contract was like a pulling teeth. Remember the the yeah. trouble he had with his little holdout and stuff. He missed like a damn would probably remember more better than I, but I think he missed most of training camp that rookie year. He did. he did. And then uh, he yeah. got the playbook and somebody broke into his car and stole the playbook. Right. <laughs> right. And he randomly just took that Vikings game off and they never told us why in 2019. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, there was some kind of weird stuff going on. So it doesn't surprise me that his mom might be his his, his contract negotiator, mm-hmm. but it just yeah. it just and, sounds so Roquan. Yeah, but, and there's nothing wrong with having your yeah, mom negotiate. Maybe she's something. a lawyer. But yeah, but that but that's the thing. So there's a lot of intricacies involved in negotiating contracts. And so you hope that for both sides, especially for Ocon, because I will always side on on the on, with the players because they're the ones literally putting their lives on the line when they step out into that football field and they're running at each other at 15, 20 miles an hour. Um, but I, I, I just I, I just want this done. I want it done quickly because it will help the overall team. And this whole fucking Aaron Rodgers signs $150 million and now the Packers can afford to keep this guy, keep that guy and sign this guy. I, I, that just, that's another reason why I've been pissed off all day. And all the sushi that I had, Hair Bear, can't quell, quell my frustrations. Oh, <laughs> I love me some sushi and I agree with you on Green Bay. It's just like, how is this shit plausible? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I guess the good thing as a Bear fan, we can see Devontae Adams. It was like, I'm not playing on the franchise tag, period. So maybe he'll end up uh, getting dealt. But know, everybody just... says that, right? I mean, uh, maybe A-Rob didn't say it last year. I don't recall. Uh, but we all knew that he was upset about it. If Devontae's going to play, if they can't uh, come to an agreement, he's going to say no to $20 million? I, I don't see that. Well, maybe you're right. I'm just saying, but in theory, I'm hoping that they have to deal him somewhere to the AFC and we don't have to fucking play him, you know? I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Straight him over to the Chargers. They got fucking everybody else that I wanted on the team. <laughs> Jesus Just don't Christ. send him to Kansas City. God, I don't want to see them win anymore. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm with you, uh, Dan. I believe, and I'm a big Patrick Mahomes fan, but I, and I know you dislike him. But I believe there is something going on with KC where they're headed uh, downwards. And I think they are, especially and before, but now they have Matt Nagy on the staff. And I'm telling you, he's just a guy you don't want in your huddle. Yep. Yep. You know, Nagy and Pace getting jobs so quickly. I'm not surprised by that. This is uh, old buddies, you know, that hired them. They, they, they weren't hired on merit. Fuck that. I mean, <laughs> come in here. Let me see your resume, Mr. Nagy. Holy shit. Holy fuck. Yeah. God, I can't hire you, but I will because you're my buddy. <laughs> the same thing with Pace. These guys, you know, it, 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 to me, it, they should have – Nagy would be a perfect college coach for, you know, where am I, university, you know, someplace down in Royal Rhode Island with a, 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 
uh, NCAA Division 14 school and stuff. That's where Nagy belongs. Rah, rah, coach, you know, thinks he's the smartest man in the room. The USFL. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. XFL is coming back. Have you heard? Yeah, but the USFL is too. Oh, that's right. They start this spring, right? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the I, I I was talking to my friend Jason, who's a lifelong Steeler fan, and he was asking me what I thought about Trubisky and James Daniels earlier. And he's so happy about Trubisky. He was like, I always thought he was better than what a lot of people did. And I was like, well, I agree with you on that. But mm-hmm. I told him, and maybe you could disagree with me. I don't think you will. But I was like, I'm telling you, with regards to Mitch, I felt like there's one guy holding him back. And I was like, in all my years as a Bears fan, you know, going back to the Reagan administration, no one has been universally hated like Matt Nagy. Like Jay Cutler was polarizing. You had people like me who loved him. You had people that hated him, but there were it was like 50-50. Like you either loved him or you hated him, but there he had his champions too. Like nobody was hated as a bear or as a coach in Chicago like Matt Nagy in my lifetime. Yep. By the way, you believe that's true? Yes, I believe that's true. I, I, I do because I think, you know, because of social media, it allowed the hatred to be amplified. You know, I think you, you can go back to uh, Jim Dooley was hated. Um, who else that I can think of besides Mark Tressman and John? Tressman wasn't even hated like Nagy. Tressman was kind of like the guy that was sort of ignored. Like they just tuned him out or something. You know, like it was in, there was indifference to Mark Tressman. There was vitriol to Matt Nagy. Yeah. How would you describe the feelings towards Fox? Was it more vitriol or more uh, ignored? Not definitely not ignored. Fox, I think, just uh, kind of pissed people off. Like they were tired of him and his fucking voice and him always being condescending. He made people mad, mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. But it was like Tressman, they just like ignored him. He's just some weird Star Wars guy, you know, Star Trekky. Yeah, but they, Robbie they says, hated, Robbie hated says Tressman was a weirdo. <laughs> it's true. He was a weirdo. Yeah, doesn't Tressman just seem like the kind of guy that, you know, would, I shouldn't say that. I was about to say he seems like he would be like trying to show you porn that involved children. I shouldn't say that, but. <laughs> but you did. Here, I apologize to Mark Tressman. Here, here's the assessment on, on Mark Tressman. Trustman was an egghead, uh, particularly for the offense. He knew, you know, he, he couldn't coach a defense, not a pro defense uh, as a coordinator or anything. But for offense, he was very, very smart. He had all that experience for so many different coaches, so many different concepts. Comes from the Bill Walsh, which is a West Coast offense, which is very, very successful uh, uh, and will continue to be, at least some offshoots of it will, will continue to be successful. He knew his shit from that standpoint of coaching. What he wasn't was he could not relate to people. And so that's why he always relied on these corporate uh, slogans, you know, toolbox of ideas and, and all this shit that he had learned in business school because he was a real estate agent for a while. And so he took a bunch of classes on leadership and so forth and all that stuff that he learned about corporate leadership. He tried to apply it in a fucking neck to a fucking national football league team do you know how stupid that is that's like being a a kindergarten teacher and trying to keep teach kids how to smoke and play poker you you just can't do that you got to relate to them in the way that they know you know kindergarten kids you they want funny faces and you act silly and stuff uh and Tressman just could not relate particularly with the defensive players 
he's like a doctor that's so good at being a surgeon or something, but can't make the family feel good at all when somebody <laughs> dies. That's right. You know, he can't. It's so awkward. He can't even give you a hug or something, you know, or shake your hand. He's like a, a Hugh Laurie as Dr. House. <laughs> Except he's not abrasive, but it's like he cannot relate to the average man at all or make them feel comfortable. There was a movie uh, that I was thinking of when you brought that up, and I thought it was called The Good Doctor, but as I did a quick uh, search on it, it doesn't appear that was the title. But anyways, it, it was a movie, and I want to say it was with William Hurt that he played the doctor, and he was just this... Well, that's ironic since he passed away. Yeah, exactly. Brilliant, brilliant cancer doctor, uh, who, but he just couldn't relate to people. And then all of a sudden he gets cancer and then he learns what an asshole he was over the years because he start, he's being treated the same way he treated his patients. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, poor, um, not poor, but uh, William Hurt died at the age of 71, I believe. Outstanding uh, movie star from the 80s and 90s and, and continued to work uh, for the last 20 years show up in supporting roles and always nail it uh yeah i gotta give you credit on that because for some reason as a kid i had it in my my mind that i didn't like him mm -hmm. and then you're like no he's a good actor man and i went back and rewatched. it i had seen a lot of those movies like body body heat and all those even though it was like not age appropriate for me i saw them young you know uh I went back and watched a lot of his work and like he was way better than i remembered mm -hmm. um my wife is bothering me right now because now she wants to see the quote from the exterminator. We had an exterminator here. I started the top of the show. So oh I got to pay $8,000, $9,000 for a fucking guy to set traps. What the fuck? <laughs> now she wants to quote. I'm worried about the how much this is going to be. Can I see the quote? I'm on the fucking air doing the show. Hurry. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, but yeah, you um, all have a beautiful house, so I could you. understand like her wanting to preserve it. So that's fair. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, William Hurt has been in so many great movies. Somebody last week was saying, what movie uh, was there a character named Aldo? And that was Eyewitness where James Woods was the character named Aldo and William Hurt and Sigourney Weaver were in it. That was one of his good movies from that era. Another one was Altered yeah, States. Yeah, broadcast, Dan, news. broadcast News is an outstanding, outstanding yeah, yeah. movie. Uh, with Jack Nicholson playing a uh, kind of Dan Rather type anchor guy. And uh, Dan, the one that you saw recently, Altered States, you recall that one? Oh, yeah, that was that was good. It, it reminded me in a, in a sort of sense. Do you remember that movie from 89 called Flatliners? Yes. Uh, uh, a lot of the young. Kiefer uh, Sutherland and Kevin Bacon. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's sort of, of the same ilk mm -hmm. where you're testing the boundaries of crossing over to see what there is when a person dies is there another side and bring me back very similar uh, a pursuit of trying to find out what oh, yeah, consciousness yeah. is all about the isolation yeah. tank right um great great film it still holds ken up russell. still holds up you know ken russell made that film he also did tommy right. the who one of my favorite uh, musicals, if you want to call it that, because it really it is. It's a rock opera yeah. based on the yeah. Who's uh, 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 great uh, Tommy. And people stop fucking calling me. I'm <laughs> 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 just turning it off. I'm just turning it off. Unless it's Jim McMahon. Uh, Jim McMahon. Should, should I tell people this? 
Well, I don't know. I mean, if there's if it comes into fruition, then please talk about it. But I was going to say, if that's Jim McMahon returning your call, then please answer it. <laughs> All right. So today, after the Mike North advantage, uh, Mike says to me, yeah, I'm listening to you and uh, Dan do the show. I like the show a lot. You guys are great together and so forth. And, I, and Dan really likes McMahon. I go, oh, man, he's got like all his jerseys. He can recall his his games, you know, uh, off you know off the top of his head. He just can give you so much detail. He grew up loving the guy. And he goes, you guys want to talk to Jim? I, I can give you his phone number. So, so I have Jim McMahon's phone number. I'm going to call him later this week and see if we can book him either for next week's show or for a future show. And I'm just going to sit back and let Dan and Jim McMahon talk because that's going to be such a fascinating if he'll discussion. Do it. If he'll do it. If he'll I try to reach out to him via Twitter the same way we did Eric Kramer. Right. Uh, and both of them have individuals who, uh, who run their Twitter for them but type what they say. Mm -hmm. And I think McMahon's is his son. Uh, but I, I tried two different times and never got a response. So, Well, we're going to give it a try. I've got his phone number. The, the weird thing is, is that, you know, I, I'll call and say, hey, my name is Aldo. I'm Mike Norris, producer and so forth. And, you know, I, I'm going to expect him to say, how did you fucking get this number? <laughs> That's the weird thing. So I don't know whether. Maybe Mike can send him a text. Is yeah, that a way to break the ice or is that uh, violating uh, something with Mike? I don't, I don't think so. Maybe I should ask Mike to do that for us. So, I don't mean I don't want to suggest that, and and then Mike be pissed off, you know. Yeah, no, Mike won't be pissed off. Uh, Mike's in a good place. He's a very happy man because Mitch Trubisky is a Pittsburgh Steeler. <laughs> so what do you? What guys do you think th your brother thinks about that? Well, I called my brother as soon as I heard, and he goes, "Fuck! I just woke up, and you're giving me this news. God damn it!" <laughs> oh, so he doesn't like Mitch? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Uh, well, <laughs> who does? I mean, how can how can anybody's? Uh, reputation grow in esteem after sitting out an entire season after being a backup quarterback all of a sudden people look at you with more fondness than before it's because of nagy i'm telling you it is it is universally people look at nagy as a complete and total idiot that's true it's true everybody it's not just bears fans are like that dude was so unqualified he had to go but the the other thing is is that there's just no good quarterbacks coming out of this draft quarterbacks that you will say you know, this guy's got a, a potentially a great future in the NFL. The quarterbacks are going to be drafted in the first round. They're all super iffy quarterbacks. And so a guy like Mitch at his age, 26, 27, he's got a winning record. He's got the experience. It's worth giving him a shot above some of these other quarterbacks available in the draft. But I think Pittsburgh fans are going to be very, very disappointed in what they see. And they still have Haskins there, too. They still have Haskins. They still have Mason Rudolph. And I told Mike today during the Mike North advantage is the next hurdle, because he said the next hurdle is for him to win a playoff game. And I go, no, 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 Mike. The next hurdle is for him to win the starting job because that's not a gimme. That is not a gimme. He has Did you see Adam Rank's tweet? No. Tweet. Uh, he tweeted something. I'm paraphrasing like, oh, the irony if Mitchell Trubisky would go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs with Matt Nagy on the sidelines. Ah, in a game. That would be ironic. I'd love that because yeah. I just fucking hate Matt Nagy. Yeah. Did, did Was there a point where you thought there might be hope for the two of them? You know, remember that time where um, uh, Nagy talked to him on the sideline? And the, and, yes, and against the, Washington. Right. And the microphones kept it up. I want you to go out there. And, and then he went out there and he, he got it done. And, and did you think maybe that's a turning point that for both coach and player? 
I thought immediately when I heard that soundbite that this is the way people wanted Jim McMahon or Jay Cutler to be. Because mm-hmm. if you recall Trubisky's response to Nagy talking shit to him, he was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He was super polite. Mm-hmm. And when he told him to shut the fuck up and be serious, I, that's the way there's NFL films had some clips of uh, Parcells back in the day talking to Phil Sims like that. And Sims would call him, sir, when he was telling him to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's the way uh, so many people wanted McMahon and Cutler to be. But McMahon would have told Ditka, like, who the fuck are you yelling at? You know, like, fuck you, Mike. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you think Cutler wouldn't have said that to somebody? Oh, f- fuck, of course. The old Mike March thing, you know? I, I think the <laughs> only coach that Cutler really, really had that kind of kinship with where he wouldn't have was Mike Shanahan. Mm. He really seemed to look up to Mike Shanahan. Well, he, I mean, he had a, a lot of respect for Adam Gase. You know, that one year he was the uh, offensive coordinator for the Bears, and then, you know, he came out of retirement to play for him in Miami. He had that respect. I'm not sure how that relationship is now, now that he sees that Gase is some word motherfucker. <laughs> uh, I, well, he even likes Dow Loggins a lot. He he brings him up sometimes when he does hits with Waddle and Sylvie, yeah. that they're still friends. But I, my point was I could see him still getting mad at those guys and saying, fuck you. I don't think he would have said that to Mike Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Who is that guy out uh, in Denver who is always on Twitter? Uh, he's kind of an insider. I forgot who his name, but he we didn't on around the horn. No, no, he, he's he's he does work for a local station in Denver, but he, across the country, he's made a name for himself because he gets a lot of inside information. Anyway, he uh, told us that the, he went the to Broncos Patrick. beat reporter. Yeah, but do you know his right. name? I can't remember his name, damn. I, I talked about him a lot last year because he was, you know, giving good updates on the Broncos receivers like Jerry Judy and Hamler mm-hmm. and Sutton. And I was like, boy, they then none of those guys turned out to be healthy all year long. But mm-hmm. uh well, he I told can't remember us, his uh, name. He told us off uh, off camera, off air that Dow Loggins uh keeps getting hired because he's a yes man. Because he will, he just is super polite to the head coach and to his bosses. You want any coffee? You want me to do this and so forth? And that went on when Dow, I think it's Dow played quarterback in college. That's who he was back then. And that's who he is now. And so, you know, and and I, I have a feeling that might be true because what has he done? What has Dow Loggins done? And when I was at training camp, and I that one year that we got access to sideline passes, or you could hear the conversations between Cutler and Dow and so forth, it's it sounded like two of the three Stooges talking out there. And and so you know, I thought you were talking about Woody Page at first. No, no, it's not Woody Page. It's not Woody Page. Um, I'll come up hey, with him later. Well, not to change the subject again, but since we're just talking, what the fuck ever happened to Mariotti? Jay Mariotti is writing for somebody. Oh, he writes for a blog called Barrett Sports Media. They cover sports media, and he he does a column there. And he might have a job at a radio station, but that yeah, his his career certainly took a a. a yeah, lecture. he was at the Sun Times forever, right? He was at the Sun Times forever, was or maybe the, the Tribune. It was one of the Chicago papers. Yeah, yeah I think it was the Sun Times, and then he, he was doing uh, pardon uh, around the horn on ESPN. Uh, he did that for two or three seasons, and then something happened where either there was some sexual allegation against him or he did something wrong where he was then kind of ostracized, had no job for a while. And I think he was clear to that, though. Probably. But it's, just, 
yeah, it's just one of those deals. He never caught fire again because mm-hmm. I haven't heard from him in a decade on the national level. Yeah, I'll send you some of his columns. I read some of his stuff from time to time. He's just the same caustic, trying to get attention uh, writer, but he writes really well. So uh, it's- see, I yes, yeah, so I liked his right. The the guy, the other guy that the paper had for all those years, was always facetious and caustic. Oh my God, what was his name? I couldn't stand to read his stuff. Oh, uh, uh, Bernie Lincecum. Bernie Lincecum. No, no, no. Uh, give me another name. Uh, oh, Steve, he always Steve, bragged Steve about Rosenblum. With Jordan. Steve Rosenblum. Yes, Steve yeah. Rosenblum. His writing was ridiculously bad, in my opinion. I I agree. Uh, Bernie Lincecum writes beautifully. I wish I could write half as well as he does. But I, I stopped reading him because he's always just trying to find something to be negative about. And Rosenblum is is the same way. In fact, we were talking about Roquan Smith uh, losing his iPad playbook. And Rosenblum wrote that, you know, uh, how could how could uh, a guy from his background afford a BMW? Because I guess he was driving a BMW and that was the car that was broken into. And he made a lot of assumptions. And so uh, once it became clear that he had worked out a deal with the dealership and he would be driving this car, blah, 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 Rosenblum had to offer an apology. And, and But it was very indicative of what he does for a living. He just tries yeah. to find something to make a mountain out of a molehill. And I, I don't I don't like that don't any anytime you, like, i've always, i've worked with people like that before mm-hmm. you know a co-worker will get a new vehicle and you'll be somebody in the office it's like well, how, how are they affording affording that and asking all these questions it's none of their goddamn business you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. <laughs> i uh, hate people like that so what do you think about Mitchell trubisky do you think he's going to have a future with pittsburgh or do you think he i is? do because he's got a coach i really believe mike tomlin will make the difference i know tomlin isn't an offensive mind per se but He'll put them in good position. He'll put him in good positions that Nagy didn't. I honestly believe Pittsburgh will win, you know, nine, 10, 11 games with Mitch and be right in the thick of things. He, um, it certainly got weapons around them. I'm a big fan of Claypool, have been since he came out of Notre Dame. Um, the, uh, I forgot who they have at tight end, but I think they got a very capable tight end Tuch, you know, this is a fantasy football expert. They got Najee Harris as their running back. And that uh, guy, yeah, I like him a lot. Oh my goodness. This guy is the next Derek Henry. This guy, you know, if Mitch, uh, be Pat Fryermouth, Pat Fryermouth is their, uh, tight end outstanding kid from, uh, Penn state. And uh, in that, in who knows, maybe they'll resign Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, they they always find weapons for their quarterback. That's one thing that that organization has always done. And that now they've retooled the offensive line. What what do you feel, uh, guys, about James Daniels moving over to Pittsburgh? You think that I was, was about a good to sign? ask you the same thing? <laughs> <laughs> you know the the thing about James Daniels that I really like, and and Greg Gabriel and I were talking about it a couple of shows ago. Daniels has an ass about the size of my fucking house. And you need that for interior linemen, especially on the right side, which is the side you run the ball to most. He can obliterate uh, people in the run game. And he's going to do that for Najee Harris. Watch Najee Harris's. In my opinion, Najee Harris should be the number one overall pick in fantasy football. Write that down. And uh, because now with Daniels and, 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 and Trubisky, who is going to do a lot more handing off, I think, than throwing the ball, um, it, it, that, that offensive line is just suited for Mitchell, suited for Najee Harris. I, I, I think 
it's it's uh, it's going to be a good situation, as best a situation for Mitchell Trubisky as possible. Is that what I, I agree? Say? And I will say, and well, I don't want to take up Tutor's time here. I was going to say that I know you'll probably disagree, but when I saw the numbers that James Daniels got, I was like, hey, good for him, good riddance. How much was it? Do you call? I, I don't write off, but I I just never bought into James Daniels. <laughs> See, the thing is, he's 24, and so he is. his best days are ahead of him. Um, now, I, I'm not going to cry because I think there are guys that can take his place and, and, and do well. And I, I'm sure that Ryan Poles probably said, you know what, he's okay, but that ass ain't going to get any smaller, and we want guys who are faster and can move and so forth. I think that's why they weren't high on Daniels because his ass is too big. Well, we, he got, we know he got great push. I mean, I mean, he he was one of the few offensive linemen on our linemen that got good push, you know, mm-hmm. out of uh, uh, you know, by, by comparison, the guy that we that we uh, resigned, Sam Mustafer, got zero push. But yeah, exactly. you know, I mean, there's there's other guards out there, you know. Uh, I, I, although I know you wanted James Daniels back, I we could have, you know, I mean, after we dumped some of these, you know, uh, Goldman and, and traded uh, uh, Mac. Cohen's gone and Trevathan's gone. Those were uh, creating um, cap space, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, most of it uh, will be in 2023. A lot of it also, I mean, much of it, 2022 as well. But <clears throat> it looks like they're freeing up space to uh, create some cap-friendly deals for guys like Roquan Smith. Perhaps David Montgomery, that would make uh, uh, Dan happy. It would. Uh, Jeremy Foyer says it's like choosing a hooker, although you can't just look for a huge ass. They got to be mean too. <laughs> That's an interior I mean, gotta, mean hookers. <laughs> I've never been with a mean hooker before. Oh, sorry, honey. <laughs> 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 but um, here's here's uh, something that I am a little bit worried about. Um, you know, I, I started the show. I don't think you were on, Dan. I was. I started the show talking about. Are we doomed to have like wave two and wave three uh, signings this year? And so it's gonna just going to be a, a bunch of guys who are trying to prove themselves and many of them won't be able to prove themselves because they just aren't good anymore. And so this could be a really good way for the Bears to tank. And I'm not saying literally tank, but to um, just tank. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're building a foundation. They're building a culture of playing hard and running fast and so forth. But they'll settle for a six and eleven record, so yeah. that way they can get a top ten pick next year and and, and a difference maker. You guys, buy into that at all? I, I, I get what you're I saying. Eventually, no. Mm. I think they're going to try to win as many games as they can. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. I'm not saying they're going to win a whole bunch, but. I I think that they think they can. What do you think, Tooch? <laughs> it's possible, man. I mean, it looks like they're they're so. You talked about wave one of free agency, right? And how Paul said he was gonna, you know, wait. But did he though? He kind of didn't though. He went after Oki, targeted, identified, targeted, and got Ogan Joby. You know, that had to have been a priority because he he, he that was it's wave one, right? Yep, definitely then, a wave one signing. Absolutely. Yeah. So obviously the Bears very high on Ogan Joby. Then uh, they signed this Moro uh, kid from uh, uh, the Raiders. 
you know, another they're, they're adding speed. Ogunjobi's got speed, you know, uh, and Morrow's got speed. They've got Roquan. They're building. Let's see what else they do. I mean, uh, we're still without, you know, safeties and wide receivers. And, you know, we don't we don't have a lot of that on our. Uh, kind of need, kind of need some speed. Safeties are going. You know, I mean, Jerome Matthew and and Justin Sanders. Are, are, Usually, you can find a safety free agency signing that's just yeah. the safety is getting no respect in the league, just like running backs uh so i'm not too worried about that although i would love for them to bring in a safety that we can all say okay this is not a fucking one-year gap or one-year bridge uh safety uh this is a guy we know that for the next five seven years is going to be our safety and- dare i say eddie jackson is the one who's a one-year guy at this point if he doesn't play better in front of the new regime he's going to be gone after 22 i would not be surprised if the chicago bears have him on that you know if they've got a big board of guys you're going to drop and that's the red column guys you're thinking about dropping would like to drop but certain things have to happen other players have to become available so that you can replace them with a quality person i think eddie jackson might be in that yellow column you know that he could potentially be dropped only if they find safety in that wave two that they'll say, trust us, these guys are going to be better than the safety tandem you had last year of Gibson and Eddie Jackson. I really do believe that. There's no way they can look at the tape and say, yeah, we want that guy. We want we want Eddie Jackson. And I know what G- Greg Gabriel says, and I agree with Greg when he says he does so much more than tackle. And I, he, he calls the defense back there. He's smart. He does this. He does that. But guess what? If he doesn't tackle. <laughs> or get interceptions. Or, yes, exactly. If he doesn't do what he's telling his teammates to do, oh, anybody can tackle. You got to get oh, you gotta get the turnovers. Yeah, Danny Trevathan was supposed to be this big leader too. Yeah, that's another guy. I think he's in that yellow column. The only reason they're holding on to him, he's probably going to be a, a June 1st. Designated. I thought they said they were going to cut him. Like I thought that was already announced. But no, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think he's still on the roster. I haven't seen any official word on Danny Trevathan being cut. If anybody in the chat room knows, please uh, correct Tooch, didn't. Uh, am I wrong on this? I thought even you referenced it earlier. Yeah, I, I think they intend to re- uh, designate him as a post-June 1st cap cut, although. Oh, okay. Trevathan. Those are the four. It was uh, uh, Cohen, Goldman, uh, Trevathan, and then, of course, the Mac trade. That, Eddie, uh, Eddie Goldman. Uh, yeah, Eddie Goldman that. also is a June for, uh, post-June 1st cap casualty. Well, uh, and that, that hurts because the money isn't available until after June 1st, so, but it is what it is. <clears throat> yeah. Eddie uh, Goldman seemed to lose his fire. He wasn't the same guy coming back, but it's hard to be after you take a year off. Yeah, you know, it's hard to be. And then, you know, the fact he really uh, he really pissed me off when he would say that he didn't answer the phone. There were times that Nagy and, and, and Pace were trying to call him and he just wouldn't answer the phone because it's his time. He wanted, you know what? You're, 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 you're being paid millions of dollars, dude. Pick up the phone and talk to your coach. Talk to your general manager. Assure them that you're working out. Assure them that you're going to come back after the pandemic. Assure them that you want to win. By you not answering the phone, you are basically saying, 
hey, I don't really give a fuck. I'm going to play Nintendo or what the fuck I do. And, 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 and if I'm there, I'm there. That's not, that's not being a good teammate. I don't understand why anybody would want a, a guy like that. Now, he is a force. He, he plays his ass off. Uh, he's, he's, he can handle two blockers, and that made him invaluable. I don't think that was the case last year, though. You're absolutely right. He had maybe you know a game or two where he really was prominent, but for the most part, yeah, he wasn't the same player that he used to be, for sure. Yeah, it's hard to come back from that. It's like uh, we're going in the wayback machine here, but you know how good Todd Bell was, mm-hmm. and he held out. Yeah, and Todd Bell would never started really again. Oh, one a little bit in '87, but not a game in '86, and then by '88 he's with the Eagles. Yep, one of my favorite safeties ever on the Chicago Bears, Todd Bell, and I was so brokenhearted that he and Al Harris sat out that Super Bowl season. They really, really deserved to be a part of that team. And, you know, I don't know who was to blame uh, probably the bears for not, for not, you know, digging into their pockets a little bit more, but at least the bears had Dave Durson and for Al Harris, there were, there were plenty of defensive linemen. It's, it's not like they were missed, but for them personally, I just yeah, Wilbur took over for Al Harris. Al was playing linebacker That's right. on the 84 team and Wilbur became the starter for Al Harris. And then when Al came back after that season, he was he went uh, to defensive line, didn't he? Right? Yes, okay. yes. And Todd Bell never came back, correct? He, uh, he, Ditka, went, he went to the Eagles, had, if I remember right. Ditka had him playing special teams in 86, which, again, is such a, a slap in the dude's face. And by 87, he was starting a little bit again, but it's just like he was sort of like never really welcomed back, you know? I forgot all about that. I am so yeah, glad. Fence, Fensick's on his way out at that point. Fensick's going to retire at 87, in 87. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they had Bell starting in for him some, and then they're like, well, it's Gary's last year. And it's like he never really was the starter the way – like he wasn't the guy that hit Joe Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put it that way. He wasn't the guy who's going to knock your fucking head off. Mm-hmm. Every time Dan takes us back to yesteryears, I'm going to play this. We're about to take it back. back, back. No longer with us either. <laughs> oh, he passed? Yeah, he's been gone since like 05, 06, somewhere oh, through there. Fuck, man. Oh, and he really hated Mike Ditka. If, uh, if you ever go back and watch the Fog Bowl again, again, he's on that Eagles team. Mm-hmm. And just taunting Ditka throughout the entire game and pointing and yelling and cussing at him, at least when the sunshine was out. I don't know what he was doing when the fog was out. You know, there were a lot of Bears players who hated Mike Ditka. You know, uh, maybe no one more than Otis Wilson, who in his right. autobiography, co-written by uh, Chet Kopic, as told to Chet Kopic. Yeah, it's a, a really good book. I mean, Otis said, you're a fucking racist and I'm going to expose you. And he he uh, detailed some of the incidences that they had. It really did not shine a, a, a good light on 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 Butkus. You know, Butkus is old school, and so some of the he certainly wasn't racially sensitive. Uh, you mean and, Ditka, though? Uh, excuse me, uh, I said Butkus. Ditka <laughs> uh, certainly wasn't racially sensitive, and and some of the stuff that Otis uh, talked about in that book made. Uh, Ditka look really, really bad. I'm surprised that Chicago media hasn't talked about that more. But then, of course, uh, yes, I need my weed and my edibles, Chris Gonzalez. Um, he he certainly, you know, is beloved in Chicago and will always be. And so some of those things that are dark marks in people's past are, tend to be overlooked. And so be that as it may, we won't overlook what? them here. Do <laughs> you think uh... – that uh, the Cubs manager, what was his name again? Which the dude one? from Tampa. 
Oh, uh, John Madden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think Madden is going to have that kind Joe, of Joe Madden? Joe Madden. Joe Madden is going to be the guy that forever will just be in Cubs guys' hearts like Ditka. You know, that's a great question. I don't think so. Um, there was that. There was that incident in the World Series uh, where it looked like Madden was like purposely trying to fuck up our chances to win a World Series with some of the pitching changes that he did. Um, he is certainly held in high esteem, but I don't think he quite did enough. To me, frankly, it, there's always going to be the question is, is, did they really need Madden to win a World Series? Couldn't they have kept Renteria or maybe, you know, another manager who wasn't quite as expensive as Madden? And and I like Madden. I like some of his innovative thinking. I love the way he communicates. Uh he, he's cool, but I, I, you'd have to talk to a more fervent Cubs fan than than me, certainly, uh, for a good answer on that. But I, I don't think so. Maybe somebody in the chat room is a is a big Cubs fan that can comment on that. But it's a good question. I I don't think so though. I would have thought that from the outside looking in, the Cubs would be like, "Dude, you're our manager for as long as you want to be." Mm -hmm. It's like, how could this guy be gone? You know. Yeah, I think that what happened is that uh, Cubs management, you know, I, I hate the, the Ricketts family and their ownership of the team. I think that this is all about uh, building a uh, – uh, they're more much more interested in making money than they are in fielding a good team. And I think that when you have a, a multi-billionaire – ownership group that you should really care a bit more about fans so they come into town and then they destroy the whole team they do a rebuilding that was one of the ugliest three three year rebuilds i've ever seen i mean you're, we're talking about pathetic baseball i i like rebuilding through the draft i like that but did you have to feel the team that was so pathetically bad that made a lot of season ticket holders saying, I can't take this anymore. Hub Arkish, for instance, sold his season tickets because it was just such a pathetic a product. And then so you build the winner, you are successful, and then immediately afterwards, after a, a losing season or two, you, you, you break it up, and you break it up in such a heartbreaking manner for Cubs fans where all of these star players, Rizzo, uh, 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 wood, uh, you name them, they're all gone, and it all happens like that. And you've done very, very little to to show that you're interested in winning. Meanwhile, the the family is going to spend three billion dollars on buying a soccer team that was owned by a Russian oligarch. It's like, it's like they're no longer thinking about the Cubs anymore. They're moving their attention elsewhere. Sounds like the Bears, doesn't it? Mm, sounds to I me. I mean, in the sense that you have this title team, and then like three, four years later, it's broken up. Yeah, that is true. That is true. And but I blame Ditka more for that than anything. You remember the strike season? Of course, the Spare Bears. The Spare Bears and and Ditka going on television and telling people, you know, these are my bears, the real bears. What the fuck was that about? How how can you do that to your guys? The guys that won you a fucking Super Bowl. Are you angry at them because they lifted Buddy Ryan up on the shoulders too? You know, yeah, I, you would have thought that he he should have said, "Well, fuck, I'm the Bears coach, so I have to co coach these guys the best I can." Mm -hmm. And that would that could have been enough. Exactly, exactly. I stay out of the labor battles. That's between management and the players. They're telling me to coach these guys and to coach them to the best of my ability, and I hope I to win the Super Bowl with them. That that should have been enough. But even no. so, it's still worth mentioning though that they, you know, Walter retired, Fensick retired, but I mean they traded Willie Galt. They got two first-round picks, thinking they, they're going to get something out of that. It 
didn't really translate into much. Mm -hmm. Uh, you let Wilbur go. I mean, the piece is just follow you trade Jim McMahon right after that. I mean, that's what McMahon said in his book. We ever get him on here. He talked about in his book. He said he had no faith in, uh, the, the management to keep the team together. Mm -hmm. And that certainly proved to be true. I mean, the pieces just started flying, man. Yeah. I mean, think about this real quick. I know we don't want to spend our time in 88, but right. so you let Wilbur go. Mm -hmm. You let Wilbur go, but you figure, okay, we still got Otis and we got Singletary and we'll go with Ron Rivera now. And then Otis gets hurt in the preseason, never plays it down again for the Bears. So you go from having the best three linebackers in football with Otis Wilson and Mike Singletary and, and, and Wilbur Marshall. And now you've got Singletary surrounded by Jim Morrissey. I mean, I'm not trying to shit on Morrissey, but what's he, a fourth, fifth-round pick? I think fourth. Yeah. You got Jim Morrissey with Singletary and Ron Rivera, another fourth-round pick. Mm -hmm. And I know people love him as a coach, but that's a huge drop-off from a first-round pick in Otis Wilson and a first-round pick in Wilbur Marshall. Mm -hmm. So th that's the kind of thing that hurts, man. You, and Walter retires, and, and Neil Anderson didn't have a third of Walter's uh, workmanship and ability to in the off season it was never working out and bragged about it. And that's why he was always pulling his hamstring. Yeah. It's always hurt. You go back. Neil's hurt every fucking year. Yeah. Now that my memory of the Wilbur Marshall thing, I was clearly disappointed, uh, uh, upset that he was no longer a Chicago bear, but I, my memory says that it was he almost had to go because he was asking for so much money and you can only afford so many players and the, and the bears were stacked with big co contracts and and well, star the, players the thing that hurt the most was that singletary had in his contract back then that he was the highest paid linebacker or maybe the highest paid defensive player that he so had to gonna, be singletary had that in his contract yeah so oh. if wilbur got this deal then you've got to give 50 more money too well, then that, so, that's maybe what, what my recollection is, is that he had yeah. to go because of money. Yeah, and guess what? When Wilbur went to Washington, that first season in 88, it may have been for two years or so, he was the highest paid defensive player in all of football when he went to the Redskins. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, but still, he's our draft pick, man. That's the guy you got to – he's a fucking monster, man. That's the guy you got to work it out and keep that guy. Mm -hmm. That's the one that got away. And when you look at so many people in, in the league that made the Hall of Fame – it, like he and Mongo both just have these huge claims. Like, dude, my stats are superior to like, uh, <laughs> like 10, you can put up 10 hall of famers that play the same position and more than likely both of them have better stats than all of them. Robbie says that I hate that they tore down the old McDonald's and Taco Bell to build that hotel. That's the Ricketts family. And Robbie, I am with you. When I worked at McDonald's creative services department, one of my coworkers, he knew the guy who owned that McDonald's restaurant. And so we got to park there. This was across the street from Wrigley Field. We got to park there for every Cubs game. We gave the guy 20, 30 bucks and we got to park there. So that was a thing of beauty. And so now it's gone. Uh, that's the way it is. Uh, I haven't been there since the hotel is finished. I'm assuming that it's finished, but I would like to take a walk down. Benjamin Albright, that's who I was thinking of. Thank you, Matthew Brown. Benjamin Albright is the Denver uh, sports reporter who told us about Dow Loggins being a uh, basically a – Adam Gase. No, Dow Loggins. Uh, he he. Uh, Benjamin Albright s said that Dow Loggins was the guy who would just get, would get you coffee. He was a yes man. Oh, I thought he said Gase that. I thought oh, that. I'm sorry, my, my bad. I may have mis misspoke earlier. Uh, so, um, 
Yeah, thank you for that, Matthew. Benjamin Albright. All right, a couple of other things I wanted to talk about Bears-wise before we get into some of the stuff that we've seen on TV because I want to definitely make sure we have room f- for that. Um, here's another problem that I have with this Bears team. <laughs> I think we talked about this earlier, actually. Who the hell is going to catch the ball for this team? And would you be happy if – if they spent big money on Juju Smith-Schuster, because I'm kind of thinking uh, that, you know, Juju is is in that position where he might be a guy who needs to sign a prove-it deal, a $12 million, one-year contract, catch 80 passes, score 10 touchdowns, so that in 2023, when the fucking floodgates open with cash from the new TV contract, he can go out there and then demand a $100 million contract. Would you... Would you like to see Juju Smith-Schuster be a member of the Chicago Bears for this upcoming season, or do you have concerns about his maturity level? Guys, take it away. I would take him, yes. Are you not concerned that he dances on opposing teams' logos and uh, sometimes runs his mouth a little bit too much, or you don't care about that? I'm not going to say I don't care about it, but, hey, at least if he's dancing, maybe that means he fucking scored. (laughs) <laughs> and we haven't scored hardly at all in the last five years it feels like i don't remember who it was the defender i think it was from the philadelphia eagles who just after juju's uh danced on their logo before the game the defender just knocked the shit out of juju after the game I remember that happened to to back in and when he was in san francisco <laughs> in dallas oh yes yes and then juju after the game went on social media said i will not be dancing on people's logos anymore <laughs> yeah for your health you better not be but you know i i worry about some of these guys but then again most wide receivers are divas like that at least you know that's what i've heard i don't know them personally uh you know dennis mckinnon i hung out with for a week he was not a diva he was a hard-ass great working uh wide receiver but you know in the nfl there are a lot of diva wide receivers mike schaefer has a bad story about mckinnon i forget what it was was something about his car oh yes he he was like leaning on his car or something like that and and uh mike who used to be here at the bar room on the bar fly tailgate show said that mckinnon came out and and, and basically told him he's going to kick his ass if he didn't get off his car yeah like, expensive car yeah man that's weird yeah mckinnon was um one of the kind of receivers that we we'd like to have now mm-hmm. yeah he's the complete opposite of willie you know willie galt's a you know a top draft pick uh world-class runner olympian has all the flash and pizzazz of a lynn swan mm-hmm. and mckinnon's your john stallworth he's your guy all those stallworth was drafted too but mckinnon's undrafted and does all the dirty work is crossing over the middle and doing all the things that willie doesn't mm-hmm. willie's got the flash but mckinnon's doing all the like the man work yeah he's exactly. the one blocking for neil anderson and walter payton and, exactly you know catching passes across the middle Over and taking the middle. shots yeah i i love those kind of receivers marty booker to me struck me as that same kind of brandon marshall too brandon marshall absolutely brandon marshall is still one of my favorite players i need to update my video i did a video uh back in 2015 you can find it on youtube where my uh, the top ten bears uh, from 2000 to 2015, I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that I had Jay Cutler above Devin Hester on that list. So I need to update it and say, you know, uh, from 2000 for the last 20 years, top bears, uh, and maybe Dan, you could we and I, you and I can work on it together because I'd love for you to voice the track for it. Uh, that would be a fun video. I bet you would get a hundred thousand views on it. 
I'd like to help out with that. I was so pissed off by the Bears 100 list. I know. I, I know we mentioned it at the time, but they had Khalil Mack as the 60th best Bear of all time. Like, how big of a joke is that pick now? Mm-hmm. And and to have Patrick Manley on there, and there like, there's no Curtis Conway, oh. you know? Like, Patrick Manley was better than Curtis Conway or Jeff Graham? Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Yeah. I know he's in media now, but Patrick Manley deserves, like, not even to be on the top 200 list, even if he did play and snap occasionally for 15 years with the Bears. I mean, he was the the long snapper. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I mean, if Patrick Scales happened to be with the Bears from, say, 2020 to 2030, would we really be beating Patrick Scales, Dick? No, most of the people don't even know who Patrick Scales is. Who was signed today, by the way, so, yay, we got a long snapper. <laughs> that's, that's who Patrick Manley was. Exactly. The one time he made a play in a game was when he called, a fu- uh, in 09 in Cutler's first game, he called an audible on a punt and they gave the ball to Garrett Wolf and, st- and he got fucking slaughtered and lost like three yards and it turned the momentum in the game. And that was Patrick Manley's call. You know, he thought he saw something and <laughs> was going to lead to a first down. I just don't understand the love for Patrick. Yeah. Manley. Nice sorry. guy, you know, durable, lasted a long time, but yeah, come on. Top but he's, list. he's snapping the ball like twice a game. Of course <laughs> yeah, he's durable. Exactly. Come on. Um, I love what Steven Nee says here. He says, I'd sign uh, Juju just so that he could dance in the Packers logo. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, for that, I will forgive him. Juju, you could go ahead and, and dance on the Packers logo before the game, during the game and after the game, win or lose. <laughs> Yeah, man. If, hopefully, some wins. <laughs> yes, indeed. At uh, some point, like you, you the, the it has to turn. Mm-hmm. You can't get your ass kicked over and over and over and over. I mean, just continually without a fight. Yeah. And some wins. I think maybe I'm entitled when I say this, but I just feel like it's our turn to get a couple of W's in this. Mm-hmm. Well, we got more breaking news. The Bears have made another signing, and uh, unfortunately, it's another name that is. Not very recognizable. Oh, this guy was with the Packers. Former Packers. Yep. yep. Tell us more about him. Uh, Probably a Luke Getzey guy. Oh, of course. 28 year old Lucas Carter Patrick is a football offensive guard for the formerly for the Green Bay Packers. He played college football at Duke University. Um, I frankly, I used to know uh, Packers offensive line intimately, not intimately, but very well when I was doing the NFC North Barroom. But frankly, I don't know much about this guy. He did play in a lot of games. He started uh, 15 games in 2020, 13 games in uh, 2021. Uh, so that's good news. So uh, he's a guard. He's a guard. Correct, though. So is is the idea he's going to start or is this a guy that's for depth well i think uh, you know i think that's too early at least how how much do you know how much the contract is uh in rapaport right now two minutes the terms of the contract is not disclosed yet but i mean tomorrow's the first years no nothing no no contract terms released yet but i mean tomorrow is the actual start of free agency all this stuff like in the pre leading up to it, or just you know agreeing to terms, you know, like you know, let's try to see the headline: the Bears intend to sign former Bengals defensive tackle Larry Ogunjobi. So you know they're they're all the official signings period starts tomorrow. Okay, here's here's some uh, information prior to the signing from uh, our friends over at uh, Fan Sided. 
Writing here is Paul Brett. Uh, this was a couple of weeks ago. Whether the Green Bay Packers should resign Lucas Patrick, given the amount of money Lucas Patrick will be asking in the in the Packers uh, 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 cap issues, it's unlikely that he will be uh, signed. Uh, Patrick has shown uh, improvement with every year uh, that he's been with the team. He will be missed, uh, and so. There, there's some encouraging words there about this guy. I'm guessing that given that he started so many games with the Green Bay Packers, this is James Daniels' replacement, fellas. Without a doubt. That's how I feel about it. I'm going to do uh, more research on him. And uh, on our upcoming shows, we'll talk more about Lucas Patrick. I, you know, I, I'm embarrassed, again, that I, it's given that he started so many games, I'm embarrassed that I didn't realize that he was a starter for the last two years with the with the Packers, uh, but that is a good sign. I, and, and, I'm like you, man. I'm in a Bears bunker. Like, yeah. I was, an, I was a, an NFL fan and watched almost, even if the Bears played on, you know, at, at noon central, I still watched the late games all the time up until uh, – I think my early thirties, right around the time I got married, I just didn't have the time for it. And now it's hard, right? Yeah. So now I'm just, I'm in a bears bunker. So I don't know a lot of these other players from other teams because there's one team I'm watching over and over and it's not the other 31. So the uh, Chubbs is saying that he is being signed to play the center position. Um uh, ah. Here's another article. Uh, Lucas Patrick has been a very, very, very underrated uh, and important asset for the Green Bay Packers, and they should make every effort to re-sign him. He was an undrafted rookie out of Duke. There are a few reasons that I want him re-signed. First off, he is extremely versatile. Throughout his career, he has developed into a lineman that can play both center and guard spots. This past season, after rookie center Josh Myers went down with a knee injury, Patrick earned the opportunity to take on that role. He's, he started 13 of the 17 regular season games and was called for just four penalties, which is outstanding. Yeah, but, but that's because he's a Packer. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have 12 penalties this season. <laughs> that's right. By the way, there's another Packer I would love for the Bears to resign, and that is cornerback Rasul Douglas. And when I mentioned it to Greg Gabriel, he goes, yeah, yeah, it's got him out of – out of college, he's okay. West Virginia. He's not, yeah, West Virginia. But I'm like, did you see him play for the Packers? I mean, he he played really, really well. He goes, yeah, but it's only been the last two months of his pro career. I don't give a shit. The guy looked fucking great. And uh, when he was plucked, when the Packers plucked him off of some team's uh, practice squad, I was upset that the Bears didn't do that, given that the Bears' cornerback problems were so fucking awful. But Ryan Pace just sat on his hands and went with Artie Burns and then went with uh, a couple of other guys who shouldn't be in the NFL. Like but, Vildor. I know you love him. but Yeah, I, I don't love him. I, I, I think there's a chance to develop him, in, to develop him into a contributor. Uh, Russell Douglas, Douglas right now is a plug-and-play cornerback. You line him up opposite Jalen Johnson, and those are your two starting corners. So sign Russell Douglas immediately. <laughs> I'd like to see them take a run at Fuller again. Just kick the tires. Mm -hmm. You know, see, Kyle couldn't command a huge contract after last season. Absolutely not. You're absolutely right. I agree with you. And uh, he's still young enough to play. I mean, he was drafted in 14. Mm -hmm. So he's got to be like 31 or something. And Kyle Fuller could still play. Yeah, I absolutely could still play, uh, but at uh, but how, how high at a level? But we're only asking him to you know 
be the number two corner, not Jalen Johnson is the is the guy that should be tailing every top wide receiver. And my memory tells me that Kyle Fuller, when he did play the slot corner, he didn't play it very often, but when he did, he did a pretty good job. By the way, Stephen Mee is saying that Lucas Patrick got a lot of concussions, and that's not good. Stephen, yes, uh, trust me, I have had a concussion or two in my life uh, while having sex, and it's not fun. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, let's turn our attention to some of the things that we've seen this week. Um, uh, Dan, I'd like to start with you. Have you seen something that you'd like to chat with us about? Because I, I, I know winning time is, is, has been on your, uh, yeah, it. winning time. Uh, oh, a couple things. Uh, well, I'll, I'll start out with that movie. I told you I watched that movie today. That's been getting all that buzz. Yeah. Uh, yeah, be yeah. Best picture, uh, licorice pizza. Yes. I enjoyed it, man. I dug it. It's one of it's set in the early seventies. So what's the plot it, line? Uh, it's coming of coming of age. Uh, this guy who's Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid, who was really, I guess, 15 in reality when he filmed it. He's playing a 15-year-old, but he's playing a child actor. Mm -hmm. So, like, his mom works for him. And so he's got, not that he's a huge star, but he's used to being the adult of the group. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of like a Macaulay Culkin type, you know. Mm -hmm. So he's not used to being told no. And... and Sorry. Well, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck that was. Okay, but... I'm going to play the trailer while you're talking. Well, he's got this huge temerity to ask out a grown woman because mm -hmm. he's kind of used to being, you know, like a star and women catering to him despite the fact he's young and people, you know, he's got money, those kind of things. And as the story plays out, uh, it's, it's well over two hours. It's like two hours and 15 minutes. And uh, a lot of people are critical of it because uh, the girl falls for him. But it's no different than, you know, the fucking Anna Nicole Smith with some old oil man who's 92 years old. And, True. you know, I mean, the her, the girl's supposed to be 25. He's supposed to be 15. And he kind of looks a little like you, Dan. Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid? Yeah. Good looking chap. Well, anyway, I enjoyed the film. And the girl was, there's an indie rock band called Haim. Mm -hmm. And... It's like three sisters. They're all in the film with the main character being obviously the main girl from that band. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's been getting critical uh, praise for her specific. Uh, I think she got nominated for a Golden Globe, not in the category of a Golden Globe for the best uh, lead actress. And uh, I liked it. Like I said, it's one of those coming of age kind of tales, you know, uh, and it's set in the early 70s. So I like time pieces. Uh, I enjoyed it. You got a lot of the other things going on real quick. Uh, like the, the remember the oil crisis in '73 when you no one could get gas. Shit, I remember uh, that yesterday. That, right, well, that's happening in the film too at, at a certain point. Oh, okay. And people are like, "This is the fucking end of the world." It's it's not the same, but it kind of feels that way with gas prices being so high now. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a difference thing. Obviously, it's it's different, but it's 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 in the same realm. You know, where you're just like, man, can we even afford a trip now? You know, yeah. even the COVID's over because this fucking they're gonna be what eight dollars and I, Bill Maher said there was some county in California that was charging like eight fifty. Yeah, well, you know, in that county, a lot of rich people work, so you can gouge the shit out of them. Um, 
it, it, it just looking at the trailer and based on what you're saying, it feels a little like Adventureland. You remember that movie with uh, Kristen Stewart and uh, the guy that played the uh, Social Network played Zuckerberg, Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, that guy. It, it feels a little like that. Uh, coming to I didn't school. watch that for some reason. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy that. I think you really would. I I, I liked it a lot. Um, we also had Sean Penn in this and Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. uh, making. Uh, good performances on the side yeah uh, right. i liked it man i thought it was a cool a cool film cool well i'm definitely going to check it out you saw it on hbo max or something like that no i bought it on it was on direct tv pay-per-view today oh. i got that and i didn't get to watch it it's still in the theater a movie called um ah shit uh the lost dan i think some theaters and that's the movie i was going to see in the theater a couple weeks ago and i went there and they're like ah there's a problem with the auditorium so uh the movie's not playing tonight Mm -hmm. so it came on pay-per-view today so i dropped 20 bucks and uh, bought it i didn't get a chance to watch it yet and uh i bought a movie on blu-ray what's it called dan I bought a movie on Blu-ray. Hold, 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 hold on a second, Dan. I think uh, for weird. some reason you guys can't hear me. I, I can, can hear you. Okay. Uh, I couldn't hear Dan for a second. I was the only one out there for a little bit. All right. So Dan, uh, for some reason, my camera has gone away. So I think that's because everything is going through my board here. It Maybe it's time to do a little bear state of affairs. <laughs> It's just me out here. <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on. Dude, you can hear me, right? Yes, I can. All right. So hold on. Let me uh, see if I can uh, fix my camera very quickly here. I don't know why this has happened. But uh, if I go away, you won't be able to hear Dan. Dan, you can you, you can talk now, right? I can hear you, yes. All right. Yeah, you can, can hear, hear Dan. Okay, go ahead with, with your uh, with your evaluation there. What was the other movie, Dan? I was going to say I haven't watched it yet, but I, I bet you Aldo has. Uh, what's the guy, the guy's name that directed The Exorcist again? Friedkin? William Friedkin. Yeah, I, I bought a movie that he directed somewhere around 2010 that's supposed to be controversial, and it was NC-17 with Matthew McConaughey in it called Killer Joe. Yes, I did see that. I yeah, I bought it on Blu-ray. I didn't get a chance to watch it. And the the beautiful Gina Gershon is in that. A- anything with Gina Gershon, I'm going to jerk off to. I mean, I'm going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. She's amazing. Oh. Yeah, but the short answer is I, I, I did like, I watched that movie. And I did watch Winning Time, which I enjoyed. Uh, once more, I did watch Super Pumped. And I know you thought it was really great. But I just fucking hate Joseph Gordon-Levin in this so much that I'm going to get through this season, but if it gets renewed, I'm not going to watch it anymore. That's how much I hate him in this. Really? But I know he's playing a character. I don't hate him as an actor. Mm-hmm. I just hate his character. Mm-hmm. He, he's an absolute narcissist asshole, and most people like that are like, you know, one in a hundred that make it, a one in a thousand, one in a million, whatever, uh, just where they, they shit on everyone else's opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the guy, the guy's giving him money, him but he's not appreciative of him disrespectful to him uh he, he's like 
how can I use you to help me? Mm-hmm. And the guy from Lyft said that so good in, in, in the story. He goes, he's telling the guy that was funding him. He's like, man, he would stand on your shoulders to prevent himself from drowning and drown you. And that's the right. Those people are like that, man. They don't care about anybody but themselves. And most of the time, those people fail. But in this instance, he made it. He turned on his girlfriend as soon as he got a little bit of money. Uh, and obviously, they've been in a long-term relationship. She helped him when he didn't have any money. As soon as he got some money, he dumped her and got somebody better. I just, I, I fucking hate this character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sorry, because I was doing some troubleshooting here with the equipment. What's the name of that particular movie you were talking about? The show that you like, Super Pumped. Oh, you know what? When you say Super Pumped, I start immediately thinking about a porno movie. No, the Uber show. (laughs) I know. That's what I refer to it as. Uh, Well, okay. The Uber show with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I just hate his character so much that even if it's renewed, I'm going to make it through season one. If it's renewed, I'm not going to watch a season two. Like that's how much I don't like this character. Yeah, the, to me, it seems like why have a season two uh, to this? This is th- there's a clear arc here because his, you know, spoiler alert, his his time at uh, at Uber comes to an end, and so I can't imagine them, you know, having a season two. What else is there to say? What he goes on to do now? He's he's running another startup company. Um, uh, this is headed towards a a a a a conclusion that it will kill off the series, which I think is good. And I agree with you. He is a very, very irascible, unlikable character, but that's how he is in real life. And so therefore, you know, we're, we're, he's being portrayed. Honestly, this is a guy who uh, is a, as you said, Dan, a monumental narcissist. And as from what I've read, as the series goes on, he's just going to become more and more irritating. And it's very, very difficult for writers and producers and directors to make a successful series out of unlikable characters. But it, of course, is possible because in my mind, Tony Soprano, one of the most unlikable characters in the world. And every time I get into an argument, I, I get into arguments frequently with people who are always pulling for Tony Soprano, you know, and I'm like, you do really realize that this guy was like a fucking multiple murderer. He was stealing money from innocent people and stuff. He killed his nephew. Killed his fucking nephew. Come on. I mean, I, 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 they're anti-heroes and then there are fucking really bad anti-heroes. <laughs> so, uh, well, I think the people like Tony so much cause you, you saw all the, all the stuff he went through with his mother mm-hmm. and how, how, how hard he tried to bring his, to, to be well with, to make his family tight and things. And I think there's a little bit of everybody in that character. Mm-hmm. Everyone can relate to something, some aspect, even if you're a woman who's not into good fellas and shit like that, but you still got the, the, the rain Bracco, you know, the analysis and stuff. I mean, so there's, there's something for everybody in that show. And I think that's why Tony's beloved. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, let me, I had some notes actually on that series that I, I I took as I'm watching Th- this past episode, it was, I, I thought the best episode of the season because they pitted the whole Lyft versus Uber battle that grew, you know, you, you see how Lyft is starting to steal cust- uh, drivers from Uber and how uh, the folks over at Uber are responding to that battle. And I, and I, I found that storyline really intriguing. The, uh, Scene with uh, uh, 
with uh, what's her name? Austin Gate is the character. She's the blonde woman who is trying to recruit drivers. First of all, she's a fabulous actress, and she's playing this real-life character who, by the way, still remains on the board of directors of Uber and is considered uh, an invaluable asset for Uber because she was the one. Every time the, the, the company faced some scandal or some... She uh, was their hatchet woman. She was their man and getting it fucking done. So I really enjoyed her character in in uh, this episode, and I hope her arc continues. The um, the other thing that I really like about this show is that a lot of the characters share their stories or share stories. Did you ever hear about this or you ever hear about that and, and and so forth? And so that helps to to move the storyline. I mean, let's face it, there's not a lot of fucking action in a TV show about uh, uh, Uber and and Lyft. Uh, so it's it's there's just excellent writing and the characters are always referring to stories that i think make the storytelling the overall storytelling very interesting the best actor of the show from my opinion is the guy that lent him the money Mm -hmm. i don't know who he is or what he was in before but i like his character the most yeah um he is the guy uh bill Gurley is the name of the character and uh, it, uh, people will remain, remember him from he played in the TV show Friday Night Lights. He played Coach Taylor, uh, who was a fabulous character. Dan, you have you ever seen Friday Night Lights, the TV series? No, I didn't watch the movie either. Forget the movie. The fucking TV show is out fucking standing. One of the best TV shows of all time. Wasn't that that save the? Oh, it was Heroes. This save the cheerleaders, save the world. I was like, I don't no, know. Yeah, that was shit. a that was a science fiction show on NBC. This was um, I want to say Friday Night Lights. Was that a cable show? I don't I don't remember. But uh, oh my goodness, you are going to love this show, Dan. Put this up uh, as high as possible you can on your queue. Tooch, you know what I'm talking about? I always have seen the movie. I consider the movie to be one of the best sports movies of all time. The Friday Night Lights with uh, it's, it's a good Billy movie. Bob Thornton. Yep. Yeah, it's it's so good, man. It's the perfect uh, sports drama. The ending is fantastic. Uh, Dan, you'd really love uh, Friday Night Lights. I forget who directed it. It was uh, Peter Berg. He's directed Peter a lot Berg. of movies. Yeah. Really Peter excellent. Berg yes. Excellent. Uh, I, I recommend you watch both, but if you had to watch only one, watch the TV show because I, I think it's 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 really sensational. By the way, there was that one scene in this past week's episode of Super Pumped where uh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character is recalling the movie The Untouchables. He talks about his dad getting a a, a cable, uh, and then the first movie he found was a movie that he loved a lot, was Untouchables with Robert De Niro. (laughs) And he recalls that scene where Robert De Niro is is going around that circular table and he's holding the baseball bat, and that he uh, says, you know, he bashes the fucking skull out of (laughs) one of his his, uh, uh, members of the of the mafia and mafia, I guess it was called mafia back then. But in any case, he, he, he just rejoiced in telling that story. And he actually used clips from the Brian De Palma movie with Robert De Niro doing the bat wielding. And that was just such a fucking great scene. Great fucking scene. Just watch that episode for that scene. And I think you'll, you'll find some enjoyment out of that. Um, and De Niro was allegedly a huge asshole in the set of that movie. And 
didn't even study his lines. It was just reading cue cards. And mm -hmm. he was really difficult reportedly during the whole process of filming that movie. That was that movie was uh, shot in Chicago. And during that time, I was doing a lot of work with actors in the Chicago area. And I talked to two or three people who were hired to, to do that movie. And they had awful stories to share about Robert De Niro of how unapproachable he was, how difficult he was to do a scene with. Um, one particular actor said that uh, De Niro had made a commitment to make another movie in Chicago and that actor was cast in it. And then all of a sudden he gets a call. De Niro doesn't want to do the movie anymore. And so that actor was pissed off at De Niro saying he doesn't re realize that little actors like me need that one week or two weeks work on, on a big movie like that. De Niro, who is somebody I've always admired his acting anyway, uh, uh, was really uh, railed uh, by, by local Chicago actors, be that as it may. All right, so we talk about winning Great. time. Brian De Palma, the, Brian De Palma directed The Untouchables. Yep. Uh, I, I always remember the baby carriage scene in Union yeah. Station. Yes. Brilliant. Just like in slow motion, everything's happening, you know, the gunfight. There's a woman chasing a baby carriage down the stairs of Union Station. And uh, gunfight on either side. It's really brilliant, man. It uh, really is. It's, if you get a chance to see it, the camera work and it's everything. It's a homage to the uh, Russian filmmaker named Sergei Eisenstein, who did uh, back in the 20s a movie called Potemkin. And there's a scene in there where there's a, uh, a baby carriage going down. And De Palma says that he studied that scene and, uh, and almost replicated it shot by shot for his scene with Andy Garcia. Kevin Costner, the woman in the baby carriage. Yeah, it's a brilliant scene. I actually saw that movie in uh, in uh, rough cut format. The music in it wasn't the music from the final scene. They had just put in kind of like stock music and there were splice marks all over the film because it had not been completed. And they gave us uh, people who, who were members of the TV Academy, gave us a sneak peek. And then we answered questions about whether what we liked and so forth. And I said to myself, this is going to be a fucking massive hit. This, this movie is great. I don't give a, they could release it right now and people will love it. And it was a big hit, very big hit. All right. You guys want to talk about winning time? Tucci I would been, love to. Yeah. yeah. You've been watching it. I did, man. I love it. I, 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 I love the style. I think Adam McKay did a fantastic job, man. It's so stylish. And it's I love the, grow on uh, me, that style. Yeah, go ahead. I, you didn't like the the everyone talks to the camera basically, you know, like during scenes and stuff, and that yeah, can be kind of like cheesy kind of to people, but I like it, man. I, I think the acting is fantastic, man, all around. Mm -hmm. uh, you had, you know, who uh, who plays uh, Jack Kent Cook is uh, Danny Noonan from Caddyshack. Michael oh, that's right. Wow, that's Michael. Great. What's his name? Michael O'Keefe. Michael O'Keefe. Yeah, he plays uh, yeah. Jack Kent Cook. I kept trying to place him and place him. Finally, I had to look, and I was like, "Yeah, that's Danny Noonan from, uh, wow. from Caddyshack." Yeah, he's a lot older now, of course. A lot yeah, older, and, and he John gets lost in that role. You would never recognize him it's or associate him. I think the guy that does uh, Magic Johnson has got the the kind of Magic Johnson easy smile, you know. Uh, going, uh, I know, although didn't agree, I, I, he he does remind me a little bit, you know. I, it must be super hard to find anybody that looks like Magic Johnson and yeah, tall. a six foot you know, nine so. uh, guy who can right. play basketball. Yeah, it, it's right. excellent casting. You're not going to find anybody. I don't. I doubt they can find anybody better. But he's starting to grow on me. The smile yeah. is starting to work a little more. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, enjoying it a lot. Really like it. I highly recommend it. 
I, I've never knew the story of like, I kept thinking, well, where's Paul Westhead come into this at, you know? And I know I was going to say Jerry West, isn't the coach of this team. Yeah. Uh, and, and now we see that he quit. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I did not know the inside story. And it's amazing that apparently his character bitched and bitched and bitched about Jack Kent cook, not, you know, spending any money. And then you got this guy who wants to spend money and who wants to win. And remember he had this notion earlier in the episode that he was going to uh, play magic at the four. Uh, with with Kareem still up front as well, and he sold it to Kareem, and and still play Nixon at the one, and you thought, okay, he hasn't even pitched it yet, and yet in the show he resigns instead. Uh, so I hope they expand on that, or does Bus try to keep him? Like obviously he doesn't stay; he goes into management, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it's amazing to me that you know Paul Westhead comes in, wins the title. And within two years, the guy from the fucking TV announcing booth who looks like a, a regular guy at that point is the coach and and looks like a fucking mobster when he becomes the coach. Looks smooth as shit. Looks like he could be with Al Pacino in Godfather 2. Of course, I'm talking about Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. Riley didn't slick his hair back yet. He wasn't wearing those flashy sh- suits when he was the announcer. And it's... I'd like to know some more of the inside of that. Like, so Westhead wins a title, and within two years, he's gone. And and the guy from the announcing booth is the coach? I mean... My recollection of it is that uh, Magic uh, didn't get along with Westhead that much, and, and that was part of the reason that that move uh, was done. My, my recollection of that... Uh, by the way, I, I should save this for when that episode happens. My... My brother was a huge Dr. J in Philadelphia 76ers fan. And so, of course, he's my brother. So whatever he likes, I hate. And (laughs) um, the uh, NBA uh, championship series where the Lakers game seven are playing the 76ers and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar can't play in game seven. He can't play. And by the way, uh, the game was not fucking telecast live. Uh, because the NBA was not uh, popular, so it was on delay. It started at 10 p.m. Forgive me for interrupting. Sure. Uh, forgive me for correct. It's game six. Game six. I'm sorry. I'm you're sorry. Right. I'm uh, sorry. No, no, no. Please don't think I'm an asshole. No, no, you're not an asshole. I love you. Um, so right, it's game thanks. six. Uh, Magic starts at center and scores like he has a triple double or something like that, 42 points. He's just from, from the center position. He was just out fucking standing. The next week, he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine holding the NBA championship trophy. And so, my brother, while he's sleeping, I go into his bedroom and I tape the cover of Sports Illustrated on the ceiling. So that when he wakes up, he can see fucking magic <laughs> with the trophy. <laughs> so I'm 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 hanging out outside his room playing some music and so forth. And all I all of a sudden I hear, you motherfucker. <laughs> it's funny to me that your brother liked the, the Pennsylvania teams. He loved the Steelers yeah. and the Sixers. Yeah, exactly. And uh and I hated him for that because I was like uh, you know. You should be rooting for Chicago teams. And it's funny that the Parisi brothers on the Bar Down Hockey Talk here in the Barroom Network, they're the same way. They don't root for the Blackhawks. That's that their, their number one team. They like a lot of NHL teams. One guy likes the Bruins. Another guy likes the New Jersey Devils of all teams. 
and uh and, and it to me it's just odd if you're in chicago why wouldn't you be uh rooting for a chicago team I, I how old was it. your brother when you all moved from new york uh he was eight i was seven well i'm surprised i could see like if he liked the knicks then yeah Exactly. Or, but but why the Sixers? Hey, my brother's a fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, winning time. I want to get back to that because uh, it is clear from this episode something that I didn't know. Uh, I don't. Uh, Dan, based on what Dan just shared and, and and John just shared about the show, Jerry West was suffering from some serious fucking depression. Holy yeah. shit! The episode starts where he's like. He looks like me on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. He's like totally fucking out of it. And, um, and I felt bad for the guy. And it's it's clear that if he would have coached that season, he would not have made it out alive. He, this guy had some fucking demons. I really related to, and to a certain extent, the domestic that was happening when he's a kid mm-hmm. and he's outside shooting the basketball, trying to avoid it. Uh, the only thing, not to make it about me, but the only difference was like my dad or, or my mom, neither one were yelling that, oh, your kid's a fuck up the way they were Jerry. Mm-hmm. So I can't relate to that extent. But uh, being just in a house where it was just constantly like mayhem and yelling and screaming and shit like that. So I could relate to that point. And I didn't know that as part of his backstory. So I'm glad they showed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I presume that wasn't just, you know, dramatization. Uh, but yeah, I, like I said, I, that was the fascinating part of the episode. I didn't realize to that extent, uh, you know, how tortured he kind of was from, it made, it made more sense now that he would be so upset over losing to Boston so much. And then when he wins the title, he's unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. So it gives his character a lot more dimension now that we see that he had a rough childhood. Again, I, I knew he was from here and I knew he grew up poor, but I, I didn't know you know, the ins and outs of his, his family. So I like his arc and I kind of like, uh, you know, the stuff with magic. I mean, and, uh, I mean, I knew the name cookie from, you know, the, the, the HIV and announcement and all that, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't realize that she was like from like Michigan, you know? Mm-hmm. So I like to see, I like the story of like him trying to, show up to the other guy on the court and on the, cause that's, I'm sure that probably really happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the cookie story was one that I was somewhat familiar with his high school sweetheart. She stuck with him through thick and thin. I thought when he got AIDS and, and, and uh, the news came out that it wasn't because he was having sex with Isaiah Thomas. It was because he was fucking every woman in Los Angeles. Uh, and I thought for sure she was going to leave him, but God bless her. A great woman stood by his sides, supportive and so forth. And that's, I think one of the great storylines of this winning time series is this, this uh, uh, bond, this love that the two of them have. I think that's going to be developed and it's going to be a, a, a fabulous to see how that continues to, to evolve throughout the series. Another thing about uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is, holy shit, for the next, for, for what, every episode that we've seen him in, he looks like he's totally disengaged. He doesn't want to be bothered by anything in the world. He really, and I wonder if that's in a bit of an exaggeration to get across the point that magic uh, uh, made him a little bit more pleasant to be around, uh, or was he really that way? Was Jabbar really like, get the fuck out of here and listen to my jazz and stuff? I don't know, but uh, it is. it has been an interesting storyline so far that they're building up with Jabbar. 
Yeah, and he was reading that book. I'll just call it the N word. Mm-hmm. Was the name of the book he was reading, and Jerry West was like, "Ah, it's on my reading list." Uh, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe Kareem was like that, but I don't know. I always viewed Kareem as just being this superior intellect, cool, just super cool, like intense, sm- just this intelligent guy. That I, I didn't know that he was necessarily aloof in the sense that I just thought he was superior, had superior intelligence over most people. Mm-hmm. And his game spoke for for him, I guess, in a lot of ways. But I didn't realize he was so adversarial to his own teammates. But maybe that's just part of the show. I, I just don't know. Yeah. I, I've got a couple of, uh, not a couple, I got three or four of uh, Jeff Perlman's books, but I, I think I'm going to have to buy this one because just to, you know, that, that one is, uh, of course, much more factual, but I, 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 I'm hoping that this series is being as loyal as it can be. In every episode, they, they put up that disclaimer, I believe, at the beginning or at the end of every show saying that they've made some alterations for dramatic purposes and so forth. But I hope that they haven't, you know, made Kareem to be somebody that he really wasn't. Uh, I mean, don't you have a hard time thinking that Kareem wouldn't listen to Jerry West? Yeah, if Jerry West come in the room. I mean, Kareem knows who Jerry West is. Mm-hmm. Jerry West commanded some sort of respect. Just, I mean, goddamn, he's the logo. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the logo. That's right. And it's time to change that and make it the Isaiah Thomas logo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Better fucking not. If you're going to make the Isaiah Thomas the NBA logo, it's him crying or you know <laughs> being kicked. Um, Uh, I'm just kidding. I love Isaiah. I'm just kidding. Um, The other thing I want to talk about is um, Sally Field. Anytime I see Sally Field, I don't care what she's doing, where she's at and so forth. I love her. I grew up with Sally Field. She was the flying nun. She was Gidget. Saw her movie career take off, her love affair with Burt Reynolds. Just uh, Forrest Gump. She was great as Forrest Gump's mom and so forth. Sally Field is my gal. Uh, Can I interrupt one second and give you breaking news? Oh, excellent. Patrick Finley tweets, former Packers guard center Lucas Patrick is joining the Bears. Two years, $8 million. With four million guaranteed. Oh, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. I like it. Um, Tony the Pod Boss uh, has put up a clip of that player doing some mauling. Lucas as a mauler. Let me play it quick. I know that you can't see this. Uh, you see the following tweet though. It says NFL refs are anxious to call holding on Lucas Patrick. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> now that he's with the Bears. Like, <laughs> uh, I know you can't see this, Dan, but let me do this quickly because since uh downfield and drive him. Oh, look at him. Holy shit. Lucas he's highlighted here in yellow. And drive him into the dirt. Oh my Lucas, gosh. If you could oh, my describe gosh. your holy place, fuck. It's Playing to the echo of the whistle. He plays to the echo of the whistle. It's pretty big, so the, the whistles are going to echo for a while. I like to play football. I think how it's intended to be is a, it's a violent sport. And you get to kind of cut loose and have this mentality of you either have to go through me to get to the ball or I'm going to move you. That was a cool play. And, you know, it's, it's funny because Steno's been harping on me on a few technique things on that play for a few weeks in a row, and I've been messing it up. And, 
remember I came off the sideline. I told him, I was like, ah, so if I listen to the coaching, that's what happens. And we, we had a good laugh. Charge downfield and drive him into the dirt. Lucas, if right. you could that was cool. describe your place. Sounds like a oh, stud. Before I get out of here, what were you saying about Sally Field, though? Well, just you know, I, she she plays. She's in the in the show, and I just love her. I fucking love her. Anything that she's in, I, I love. And before you go, I just want to say one other thing: um, the woman who is playing Jerry Buss's daughter, very young. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Jeannie. Jeannie. Bill Jean Jackson's woman, right? Right. Exactly. You you you're starting to see the evolution of her character, and that she begged her dad for a job she just wanted to work and she's a hard worker she's got these fantastic fucking ideas and she's going to end up being the owner of the lakers and that's an, another interesting storyline uh and the actress that plays her is, is is really good in that I, I tell you another thing uh in the first episode he's talking to donald sterling yes and it, it joked and said <laughs> he was the second worst donald of the 80s but you know donald sterling had that controversy with the Clippers for saying the N-word about his players. Mm -hmm. And he right. had that weird lady, the girlfriend that was really hot that would wear that facial shield like uh -huh. before COVID. Yep. There is a really good, uh, I think it's uh, a 30 for 30 audio podcast of Donald Sterling and that whole controversy and, and stuff. It's a, uh, it's like about six or seven, 30, 40 minute uh, episodes. Uh, great to listen for a long drive, Dan, when you're driving from Virginia to Chicago to see the Texans and the Chicago Bears play. Well, I, that's uh, who knows, man. If I have to buy another wash machine. <laughs> <laughs> that's about you, the same cost of a ticket at the fucking game. If you, you know, because tickets are so high. You know, you could have washed those clothes. Dan, by you hand. can have my washing machine at my condo. My condo. That's right. Well, I, and mine's getting nice installed nice now Thursday at some point. Uh, so uh, to replace the one that just shit the bed. But Dan, didn't, a, don't you think you rushed movie into movie. that so quickly? You you text me and say, my stepfather's going to come. Well, I said my stepdad was going to look at it tomorrow, but the sale for the one that I bought ended tomorrow. So it was $150 off if I bought it tonight. Like, literally, it was on sale until May or I'm sorry, March 16th. Don't fall According, for that shit. Those are sales, well, you know, come and go. Fuck. Well, I I can't come and go. I need a fucking washer now. <laughs> and $150 off. I was like, well, what if he can't fix it? True. So I was like, I got to roll the dice and just take this deal now. And, man, just fucking take it up the ass, I guess. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. You got to go? Yeah, unfortunately. I would, it feels like we're just getting started, but. Why don't you uh, leave us with a story, but it's got to be a, uh, a sex, sex story, story, right? Because everybody in the in, in the chat room is coming. I don't have any. Like, Let's talk about sex. <laughs> Come on, look, I've told all my sex stories. I can tell you I went to the corn show, corn with a K, not as in P, like Papa, like porn. Right. But corn, I went to the corn concert Sunday, and there were three fights right beside me, so that was fun. But or but did you get any pussy? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I mean, I, I was just there for the music, you know. You went alone? Uh, no, no, I went. Uh, there was a group of people that I knew that went. See, but personally, I rode with my friend John and his son. It was his son's first ever concert. He's 14. So that oh. was a, an indelible moment for him, I hope. Mm -hmm. He seemed to enjoy it, you know. So, uh, yeah, I went with uh, with a couple of friends, and then there were people scattered throughout the arena that I knew. A guy I used to work with in radio was with me. 
in the pit. Uh, I was protecting a girl that that I know named Alicia, and uh, there was two other ladies uh, right in front of me that I was trying to protect that I knew, but I couldn't get to them, but, and they were closer to the fights than I was. So, but it was just too crowded. And then I knew a couple people in the stands too. So yeah, there was probably like 12 people there that I knew. Dan, you don't know how disappointing this is. There's at least 20 guys in the chat room who say they've got their lube out and they're ready for you to share a sex story. And they're asking. Okay. How about this? As I leave. Okay. Uh, Brandy loves the band. You remember Brandy, of course. Mm -hmm. Brandy loves the band Queensryche. It's certainly not my band at all, mm -hmm. but they're going to be ironically in West Virginia on March the 27th. So I told her that if she uh came to the show uh she could she and her guy could stay at my house brandy uh, yeah to avoid the hotel you know she's got a guy yeah so you're gonna a have guy. a threesome with another guy yeah, yeah, maybe I, maybe we can do a fucking train on brandy <laughs> no, i'm just kidding about that. but i did offer her to, to stay if, uh, Jesus. Uh, if she and the guy wanted to, to to try to help out yeah oh that's nice of you man but the joke was the train that's where i was <laughs> We miss Brandy. I miss Brandy. I should text her and, and, and tell her to take pictures of that sexual encounter that the three of you can have. Yeah, but her, her uh, Facebook photo is like with a guy now, too. So, yeah, oh, she's yeah. in a relationship. But, I mean, that's cool. Man, I wish her well. Absolutely. And, and, and what's he look like? Oh, fuck. I don't know. He's a guy. I, I don't pay attention to that. <laughs> I mean, no offense. I mean, just he's just a dude, man. I don't know. People are saying all aboard, choo choo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just as long as like the other guy's cock and mine don't have to like sword fight thing, you know, they pound their dicks together. I don't want anything to do with that. I had a lot of friends who would always participate in uh, sex with more than two people, you know, like uh, two guys, three guys, and my buddies would go out, get girls, and then they get a hotel room. They're all fucking in the same room, and sometimes they were all, you know, have an orgy, you know, sharing the same girl, and they were all like, oh, but you should come out with us, and I'm like, fuck you guys. I have no, no fucking uh desire to see you fucking somebody else and then one of the guys says yeah one time i'm i'm down there uh, uh uh doing a 69 with this chick and then here comes walter with his fucking big dick sticking in her, her ass and his balls are rubbing up on my forehead as i'm giving oh, this that's horrible yeah I'm like so you want me what do you want me to be your stand-in so while walter's doing that get the fuck out of here no way am i gonna do that so I can't tell the full story, but suffice, and I got to go anyway, but suffice to say, I've participated in one of those situations where it was me and a guy and, and, and a lady, the lady come at me with like, Hey, you know what? I'd, I'd already been with her before, you know, mm -hmm. she's like, I can talk to sex, talk to you about sex really easily. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she's like, my fantasy is to be fucked by a white guy and a black guy at the same time. So I was like, well, shit, man, I can call a friend up if you want. That big and, dick uh, guy that you know? I, I can't I can't comment on who it was because the <laughs> okay. person that it is may or may not be somebody you've talked to. Respect. I'm just saying maybe, uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, he may, it would be bad for him for me to say whomever this person would be, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so having said that, um, he and I did a, a thing where it was almost like wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like we tagged in and out. We took turns. The other person sort of just did their own thing. Mm -hmm. Like I listened to my iPod 
when they were doing their thing because I didn't want to a hear it. You know, you don't want to hear your buddy like making fuck noises. You know, uh, and it was dark too. But we didn't do it. Like she told me, uh, the the girl's name was Ashley. She said, um, "I was weird." I, she's like, "I kind of expected it to like be both of you at the same time." Mm-hmm. She's like, "But this was okay too." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of felt like if." Cause I think she wanted me to come up behind her and start hitting it while she was blowing him. But I just thought, man, if I do that, there's a chance that my, my junk's going to touch him or something. And I just, I don't want to sound homophobic. It's just not my deal. You yeah, know? It's a little weird. Yeah. So we didn't do it in a, in a porn sense. Mm-hmm. We just took turns with the lady. Interesting. I had a, a couple of buddies who told me this story. One of them, uh, they, they had uh, these two girls over two guys and then one of the girls goes into the bedroom and so one of the guys follows her in there and he starts to uh suck on her titties and and making out with her and so forth and then all of a sudden she he hears her going ah, 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 and he's thinking to himself holy shit man she's gonna have an orgasm just by me kissing her and and, and touching her titties and so forth and then she's like ah, 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 and then he looks to his right and it's his other buddy he's finger fucking her <laughs> I knew if somebody was doing something, I, I thought you were gonna say dude was just hitting it, man. But I was like, on that on that note, sadly, I've got to go. It's it's forty after. I got to get to work oh, now. Sorry. Yeah, shit, fuck. But I gave you a small story there. Yeah, you did, and I, I think you satisfied a bunch of people in the chat room because there's a, it's empty now. Nobody nobody's there. They're probably cleaning up. <laughs> All <laughs> right, beat off to it. Dan, you're the man. Uh, thanks for being here, and we will see you next week. Uh, and but I'll be. Uh, I got a couple of things to ask you. Uh, I need a favor on one thing that uh, a, a narration track. So I'll be reaching out to you sure. tomorrow. Bye, no Daddy. All right. Bye, dude. He is. Dan Aguirre, he's on his way to save lives now at his other job. Uh, he is near and dear to all of us here at the barroom. I got to figure out what the hell happened to my camera. It's... Can you, you can't hear me when I get rid of that. That's the problem. So, um, right. so anyway, um, why don't yeah. we talk yeah. for another 10 minutes and so forth. Tell us, uh, Tooch, what is going on in the gambling scene. This has to be probably the biggest moment of the season the betting uh, season for you with all of what's going on in college basketball it's the best time of year right now the ncaa tournament the nit tournament they even got the college basketball classic if you love basketball like i do uh college basketball to me is the more pure form of the game you know uh i like the nba too but it's kind of like watching pro wrestling you know it's like mm-hmm. the theatrics you know, they don't play defense in the NBA now. Like, no, they don't. So, but uh, with these kids, you know, this is the last game they might ever play in their lives. So, mm-hmm. you know, they are really trying, uh, you know, and then some of them are going to go on to NBA careers. It's exciting. The narratives are great. You have mm-hmm. small schools, you have big schools, the Blue Bloods, the mid majors. Uh, I just love it, man. I uh, My top pick uh, right now, about to win. The Indiana Hoosiers over Wyoming. Uh, it's, uh, I give out a free pick every day on Twitter. So uh, had some hot days the first uh, first uh, over the over the uh, conference tournament weekend. Mm-hmm. I think I was twenty eight and eight, and then two days of just crap where I think I was like four and thirteen. But mm-hmm. 
Uh, it happens yeah. to the best of uh, the gamblers. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've been working closely with uh, Mike North over the last uh, mm -hmm. two years with his gambling exploits. Yeah. And he'll go 20 and one and then, you know, go uh, even or a little under 500 yeah. at times. The best gamblers in the world, uh, you know, lose 43 to 45% of the time. You know, it's just, if someone's telling you they're winning 75% of the time, they're full of shits, you know, it's just, yep. it isn't possible. You know, they're just, uh, it isn't, if you're above 500, you're doing something right, you know. Not asking for you to give up any secrets in betting, but uh, what do you think about the fighting Illini? Because Chubbs uh, loves them, and other people in the chat room are saying they are limited when it comes to offense. Well, they have future NBA player at center, Kofi mm -hmm. Coburn. Uh, if, see, the problem with the, when, when the Illini offense is working, they're, they're getting the ball down low to Kofi, and, if he's double teamed or triple teamed, they're kicking it out to some of those great shooters they have out there. And if those shooters are knocking down shots, they're pretty tough to beat. Um, the Big Ten, to me, I, I, it's it's kind of one of those uh, conferences I sometimes fade when it gets to here because they just they just seem to run out of gas. Although my Iowa Hawkeyes look pretty damn good, man. I, I love the Hawkeyes; are super hot right now, man. That's they're a good score. Yeah, That's a good 80. team to bet on, right? Yeah. I uh they're starting to play defense now, too. I mean, the coach Fran McCaffrey, um, he's usually they call him one and done Fran, you know, or mm -hmm. one win when he's out. But mm -hmm. this year they have a darn good team. They have future NBA player Keegan Murray, undoubtedly will be in the NBA. Um, very good player, tough uh front court player. Then they got some assassins. I mean, all five guys could shoot. The philosophy behind the Iowa Hawkeyes uh, uh, scheme is that they're going to go down the floor and they're going to score three or four, four times out of four. And if, mm -hmm. you can't keep, if you can't keep up with them, you're going to get left behind, you know, yeah. they're one of the best, most efficient offenses in the NCAA. They're getting hot right now, man. They made a run through the big 10 tournament end up beating Purdue who could not keep up with their offense. And then now they're starting to play a little defense Guys like Tony Perkins and Keegan and Chris Murray and Rebraca, and, uh, they're playing good defense now. Before they just wouldn't play much defense, they'd pressure and get turnovers, mm -hmm. and uh, they'd get uh, they then they'd score off the turnovers. And they, every time they come down the floor, they have shooters to make you pay. So mm -hmm. Keegan Murray creates shots down low. So it's uh, I like Iowa to make a run. I, I might put in a futures bet for them to come out of that region in Sweet Sixteen. Um, that would be it's it's it, it's decent odds right now. Um, you've got some of the big teams, Arizona, uh, the Wildcats, a really good team, but their point guard has. If you see, if if you uh, follow uh, uh, NCAA basketball on Twitter, he's been tweeting uh, uh, posts posts of his swollen purple ankle, so it does not look good for uh, oh, no. for the Wildcats, which would have been you know one of the favorites. So you got Gonzaga; they were in the championship last year. They have a good team as well. Um, the Blue Bloods like Duke and Kentucky are in there. But Duke is a young team, very talented. They just – doesn't seem like they play together off. And then you had uh, Auburn, who had a really good record, but away from home, really not that strong. Mm -hmm. Some teams, uh, tough defensive teams like Texas Tech uh, might be a good bet to come out of their region as well. And then you have Baylor, who won it all last year. They're injured, man. They've been getting it done with six or seven guys. 
you know, they're so talented. Um, there's nobody that can uh, that can stop AJ Flagler on Baylor. So uh, you, you've got some, a lot of intrigue, a lot of injury stories. Um, tonight you have the first round of the NIT. You have a couple play-in games for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, for me, it's this is the best time. I'm grinding, man. I'm I'm pumping numbers through the spreadsheet, Aldo. And for three days, the spreadsheet gave me gold. Then the last two days kind of let me down a little bit. Today, the spreadsheet was gold again. So, uh, you know, feeding numbers into my spreadsheet. Uh, let me ask you this, uh, Tooch. Um, for the final four, can you give me a team that is not highly seeded that you think has a chance to make it all the way to final four? That miracle team, um, any, you know, every, almost every year we see it, you know, there's a team in that final four that has screwed up everybody's bracket because it was just so unexpected. Uh, do you have a, 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 a team in mind that could be that team this year? Well, I think Texas Tech has a good chance. I mean, they're probably one of the best defenses in the NCAA. You got to watch out for teams like UCLA, who went to the Final Four last year as like a 12 seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, eight, right. Eight That's or nine problem. seed, something, something really low last year. Oh, yes. Um, uh, uh, and then, you know, I, like I said, Iowa is really hot, man. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, they're a team, probably they're uh, they're a five seed. Mm-hmm. Um, they could uh, make a little run. Um, Tennessee, of course, they're a three seed. They play some tough defense also. Got some good athletes. Uh, Kansas is a big uh, uh, favorite, number one seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, really starting to click as well. They got a lot of guys, uh, you know, p- uh, talent at all positions. Um Man, I'll tell you, this to me, this is really wide open, man. I, I, if I'm practicing and filling out brackets at home, I could come up with, you know, all these different scenarios, and I just can't settle on one. But mm-hmm. uh, some of my futures bets, I've got futures in on Texas Tech and uh, uh, Iowa to come out of that uh, one. South Dakota State is a team to watch out for. They're kind of like Iowa. They, they went 21-0 in the Summit conference which you know that's not easy to do in their conference 21 and 0 they've got shooters and they that that conference not known for defense they did play some good defense mm. uh yeah iowa's getting hot at the right time you know you could see that last year oral roberts was the hot team went all the way to the elite eight so they beat iowa state or ohio state in the first round mm-hmm. and uh, uh went uh you know all the way to the sweet 16 elite eight as a 12 seed, I think. So, uh, yeah, I love the NCAA. Uh, what, do you think about what, what do you think about what <laughs> Moore Beerman asks? How did Michigan get in at seven and, 17 and 13? Michigan had a super tough uh, schedule. They did beat some teams, man. Um, I think Michigan – I like Michigan to win, uh, I think it's Thursday, tomorrow or Thursday. Um, yeah, like Troy said, it's wide open, man. Is wide open this year. It's going to be some great stories. It seems like the Big Ten always gets the benefit of the doubt with uh, the the, uh, people who set up the seat. I mean, it's good basketball. It's it's not to me. You know, Big Ten football is always effing disappointing. To uh, Big Ten basketball, I think I think they hold their own against other conferences. 
Yeah, um, like Steven says, free throw shooting to me is a big part of it. I mean, Villanova is one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. They have veteran, two great guards, veteran uh, uh, guard play. Uh, you know, when you want those senior guards, you know, they've got they've got size inside too as well. So Villanova is a team I would like, uh, you know, I might have in, in a few Final Fours too. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Any seedings at all, uh, Tooch, that you were just fucking totally shocked with and said, how the nope. Hell did They're talking happen? about Alabama in there. Alabama got in because they beat Gonzaga one time, but uh, Gonzaga's so, uh, I mean, uh, Alabama's so helter skelter right mm-hmm. now. I just, Michigan, uh, kind of like Michigan, make a little noise. We'll see. I mean, they, they have some talent. They just uh, haven't been able to put it together. They had a little controversy with Juwan Howard and mm-hmm. uh, the coach of, I think it was Rutgers or Maryland. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How uh, uh, so? How uh, does this work with your uh, setup, your gambling setup, and so forth? Are you uh, uh, helping people make their picks and, and tell people how uh, you go about that? Yeah, I have uh, subscribers that subscribe to my picks, and you know they can hit me up for advice on Twitter in my message box. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, actually, I sent out my subscribers uh, some picks to get the early lines you know, on games, you know, before the line switches. Like today, I, I really liked VCU, and that number just kept climbing mm-hmm. over Princeton because, I mean, the Ivy League, not not exactly a power conference mm-hmm. going against VCU. Really not really talented young team, but they play hard defense. So uh, I didn't want my subscribers for it to give – gave it to them at like minus six. It got up to minus seven and a half today. So mm-hmm. told them to buy it the day before at minus six. You know, and then, uh, excuse me, <coughs> damn asthma. <laughs> he's got asthma, and he had COVID earlier. So the fact that he's still standing <laughs> or sitting is a miracle. Yeah, it's John Santucci. Wisconsin's a good team. I know Mel Beerman's mentioned Wisconsin, but the Johnny Davis injury concerns me. Johnny Davis is one of the best players in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's that's the thing that's gonna. Uh, t- they have a they have a, a tough first round matchup against Colgate and uh, Colgate can really score. They got some size they can defend too, but again, they play in a weak division, but uh, they are playing in Milwaukee, which helps. So mm-hmm. it's like I took, gave out my free play. It was the Hoosiers. They're playing in Dayton, you know, it's just a short drive from Indianapolis. So mm-hmm. Wyoming had to fly in, you know, to Dayton. So yeah, love the love the tournament time, man. It's just I love all the stories. Love watching the games. Love making wagers on the games. Uh, look like I'm doing pretty good. I I lost the Texas A&M Corpus Christi bet, but I think that's the only one I've lost tonight. So mm-hmm. better day today. I usually post my record every day of what I did the night before, the next morning, and then give out another one. But yeah. Kentucky's a good uh, a good team too, man. There's nobody that can guard. Oscar Shibaway, he'll be an NBA player too. If you like watching uh, these young kids, that'll be future stars and stuff. In oh, the NBA. That, that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. There was a guy today on uh, the show Around the Horn. I forgot his name, uh, but uh, I guess he, he, you know, everyone on that show Around the Horn, if they get the most points, they get a little 30 seconds at the end. And his message was uh, a message to all high school teachers. If you can, uh, turn on the tournament during class because you will create faithful students uh, who will then listen to every word that you teach. When I was a kid, uh, my 
history teacher or whoever uh, uh, turned on the NCAA tournament uh, in the afternoon, and we got to see the portion of the game, and he told us about the teams. He told us what to look for and so forth. It was a great lesson and uh, really made an impact on my life. And I, you know, I wish more teachers would do that. I know when I was a kid, we were allowed to bring in our transistor radios to listen to baseball games, playoff baseball games, and World Series games that were happening in the afternoon because night baseball had not taken off. That's how old I am, guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that, those were fabulous, fabulous moments for uh, as a kid growing up that you're able to, you know, sidestep a little bit of the education stuff but learn uh, from a different uh, perspective, and that is through the great uh, – the great games of sport, uh, basketball, baseball, you name it. Uh, that's the way to do it. Tooch, any final thoughts before we pull the plug? Yeah, I was watching a, a great show. If you haven't watched it before, it's called The Last Kingdom on Netflix. I've heard of it. Is Season it good? Five was like, I watched it in like two days. Yeah, it's excellent, man. It's like, if you like Game of Thrones, but without, you know, magic and all that stuff, it's, you know, basically just remove the magic and fantasy stuff. And it's, you know, the uh, Dark Ages period of the uh, of England, you know, the, the Saxons and the Danes, the Angles, you know, all that the political intrigue, uh, King Alfred, King Edward. And uh, man, it's it's killer. It's so good. The story is great. The characters are fantastic. Very well acted. Very well plotted. Dialogue is great. A lot of fun, man. It's a uh, fifth season. I've 10 episodes, I was done in two days. I couldn't stop watching because cool. You haven't know, seen time. He, he says it's very good. So, uh, yeah, we'll, it's I'll excellent. Definitely be looking at. All right. Uh, make sure you follow John Santucci on the Twitter machine. It is at John Santucci VIP. That is again at John Santucci VIP. You folks listening on audio podcast, you spell Santucci S A N T U C C I VIP. Follow me at Barroom Network on the Twitter machine. Um, all of you uh, who have uh, joined this live, really appreciate it. You are a big part of the show. Interacting with you is so much fun. Uh, you kind of help us with the script outline of uh, what we're doing. Because, frankly, we don't do a script outline, so you create it for us. Um, we just come out yeah. here and, and talk and have fun. And uh, I, like the, I like the moves that Ryan Poles is making, I'll be honest. He's not spending yeah. a ton. He's getting quality players. I mean, I wonder, you know, uh, <clears throat> a lot of uh, the uh, wide receivers that you and I talked about last week, they're getting gobbled up, you know, Christian Kirk and Cedric Wilson. Juwan Jennings is a restricted free agency, a restricted free agency. That would be a little tougher to get the guy that Aldo and I really like. But maybe, you know, I, I still think uh, Luke Getze is going to go after one of the Green Bay wideouts. You know, whether it's Alan Lazard or Marcus Valdez. Scantling. Well, Lazard has been uh, given the restricted tender, second round res restricted tender, which is a $3.3 million salary, which isn't a, a, so a lot out. for him. So, yeah, he's out because there's no way the, the Bears are going to invest. They're not going to give up a two. Yep. No, no way. No way. So uh, it looks like be, Scantling might be a target then. I, I think so. I think the market for <clears> Scantling <throat> is probably going to be under $10 million given the way things are going. Yep. I'm not a huge fan of Scantling. He's basically a go route guy, um, and you know I'd, I'd prefer somebody you know who has more of the skills of an A Rob. Although of course A Rob is not coming back to the the Bears, so I'd have to I'd have to take a look because some of my other 
free agent wide receivers are now gone. Uh, Cedric Wilson with the Dallas Cowboys that I mentioned earlier in the show. And then um, Russell Gage, I believe, is gone, who I yep. thought had a sensational second half of the season and is the type of player who then I he found out he was going to be playing with Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He said, fuck this. I'm going to play with Tom. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder if he signed before he knew Tom came back. I wonder. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what a surprise. PJ says, I have not liked one move Come on, yet. PJ, what? PJ you're, not, you're not a fan of uh, Ogan Joby? I mean, this guy is disruptive, <laughs> man. This guy can play. I'm surprised. I'm surprised, really, that uh, yeah. anybody would be upset about that. And, and PJ, <laughs> I said uh, hours ago, I know, PJ, you weren't here at the time, but I said, you got to look at the Khalil Mack as this was a trade. Khalil Mack for a second rounder, a sixth rounder, and – uh, Ogan Joby, because the money that was saved uh, in, in salary cap for this year allowed the Bears to pursue that three-tech defensive lineman that is so important for this full Look at this guy, PJ. The, the guy is a rock. Look at that. Muscles on top of muscles. And I'm I'm like literally saying the truth there. I mean, look at those muscles. I've never seen some of these muscles before on somebody's arm. Those things are like all over the place. So um, you got to – I say let's – you know, I, well, I, you know, PJ says he doesn't like <laughs> any of the moves, but PJ is saying Mac is better than Ogan Joby. Yes, but – They play different positions. They play different positions. And in yeah. this defense, the position that Ogan Joby plays is more important than the outside uh, defensive end. You need that interior – pass rusher like an Aaron Donald who plays that same position, that three tech, and he's a disruptor. And this guy is ascending while Khalil Mack is descending uh, because of his age and wear and tear on his body. I'm not saying Khalil Mack isn't still a Pro Bowl caliber player. He certainly is, and I'm going to miss him. But um, I see what Poles is doing. He has to blow it up and rebuild it, and Ogan Joby is uh, part of that plan. I, I kind of – I'm buying into it, but I am also impatient. I want to see some more moves, and uh, I'll study the moves they've done tonight while you've been on the air, and then hopefully in the next day or two we'll get some more big signings. Three years, $44 million for Ogan Joby, Mr. Toot shares with us. Yeah, that's a cap-friendly deal. You know, almost $15 million a year for a, a, a stud three technique. Now, 4,000 Clovers is saying he's got no accolades to his name, although he's a wait-and-see guy. I, I disagree with that. I mean, I, perhaps because I saw uh, three or four uh, Cincinnati Bengals games this year where he was just a, a monster, uh, even that game against the Bears. If you turn on that game, and I started to watch some of it, I didn't get past the first quarter, but even in that first quarter, he took uh, – James Daniels aside to just push them aside and got um, uh, what was his name? Damian Williams in the backfield on a wrong play. This guy, you know, he's ascending. He's ascending. He's ascending, man. I'll tell you right now, he's coming off a season where he had six, I mean, seven sacks, Mm -hmm. 16 quarterback hits, 40 quarterback pressures. Mm -hmm. And this is in limited time because, you know, he he was, he was, didn't play a full 16 games or 17 Mm -hmm. games. So, Mm -hmm. 4,000 pros, uh, any pro bowls, any all pros? No, none. He's uh, young. He's just yeah, starting but, his career. Yeah, and, and the other thing is that I remember 
in one of the games that I saw this past season, there was a little featurette on him. You know, they came to, came from Nigeria, and he didn't start playing until he was in high school, late in high school, and so forth. So he's one of those guys. He's one of those guys who's come into America. He's uh, assimilated, and uh, and now he's playing pro football, a, a sport that he loves, and he's just beginning to excel. I can see why the Bears, you know, kind of said, you know, yeah, this whole yeah. wave, two, wave two free agents. Uh, we're going to push that aside and make sure we get this guy because he's so important for the scheme that we're running. Um, I, I, so I'm hopeful. Uh, you could end up being right, uh, you and everyone else who is uh, uh, not a fan of this move, or PJ and everyone else that's not a fan of this. I, I think this could work out, though. I like this. I mean. When you watch this dude play, man, you're gonna, you're gonna be you're gonna be really happy. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, man, you need we need pressure up the middle, man. We uh, mm-hmm. Akeem, Akeem Hicks might not be back. He's he's getting older. Mm-hmm. Mac, is, a lot of people say I'm a 31s young for a, a an edge rusher. We've got Robert Quinn who's younger. Got Travis Gibson is is ascending. Uh, this is a cap friendly signing on a ascend, ascending player who's still young. Great story, good kid. Um, yeah, it just uh, you had to get with Max. Max contract made it impossible for us to to have any sort of flexibility, patching the amount of holes that we had on this team. There's no there's no cornerbacks, there's no safeties, there's no wide receivers. Max Max uh, deal took up too much room for us to get anything other than. Uh, uh, you know, the bottom of the barrel of free agency or plugging holes with undrafted free agents like Kendall Vilder. Is that think, where you want to be? I think Tooch is making an outstanding point here. You know, free, you know, uh, trading Khalil Mack, and clearly this was the best that they can do in terms of a return on investment. Yeah. They, they were at the combine saying, hey, what about Khalil? You, you interested? They were getting yeah. offers at the combine, and this is the best they could do. But you've got to look at it beyond what Khalil Mack has done in the past and look at it towards the future because Khalil Mack was never, never at this point in his career, he's just not going to help us win a Super Bowl. And it's not because of his play or any durability issues. It is just simply because of where this team is at. That's not Super Bowl ready. And so the right way to build this team is to destroy it and rebuild it. That's the only way you can do it. Uh, Leo factor says pace sunk money into huge holes and tries to cover them up by throwing cash on top of it. Right there. The contracts were too massive. You know, Mm -hmm. they were not cap friendly. I mean, the dude ran the credit card up. That's Ryan Pace. That's what I'll remember him for is the guy who ran his mom and dad's credit card up. That's it. Perfectly said. Perfectly said. I put up on Twitter uh, at Barroom Network. I put this up yesterday and it got retweeted a lot because it's, it was factual. The teams with the highest dead money ranks, Seattle Seahawks, number one, at $42 million. At number two, the Chicago Bears, $40 million. This is money that is owed to other players who are not on the effing team anymore. And and it's because Orion Pace was always trying to put Band-Aids, spending a very ex- on spending money on very expensive Band-Aids for mistakes that he did in his draft and so forth. 
So it, it had to happen. Uh, it hurts. It hurts, of course, that Tariq is gone. It hurts, yeah. of course, that Eddie Goldman is gone because he started a, a, out as a very promising nose tackle. But things have got to change. And as hurtful as this is, it's like when you've ever had a remodel in your home and you walk in and you say, holy fuck, this. Oh, yep, Jesus that was the, Christ. That was the contract. Everyone. Yeah. 24. The, you. Cleo Mack counts $23.5 million against the cap. It's $60 million in guaranteed left. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, man. That's the deal that you signed. Nobody was giving you a first-round pick for Cleo Mack with that salary. Nope. Nobody. We're nope. lucky we got a second-round draft pick. Exactly. You know, people are saying we should get a second and a third. We got a second and a sixth in 2023. Hey, man, we had to take what we could get because the salary cap, you know, the, the deals that Pace gave out were not – friendly they're not conducive toward us building a team this is why polls is getting these ascending players young players he has no choice we're not going to make a huge splash in free agency we just don't have the cap space right this was panic spending by ryan pace he knew that year after year of not meeting expectations and so forth and he was trying to save his job and therefore he was paying for stuff that you know he he should have and that, and that's where maybe an executive vice president should have said Ryan 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 okay 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 Mitch didn't work out doesn't mean that you should start spending money and trying to win again let's start over we'll give you the time to rebuild but it, it, there wasn't that kind of advice and I can imagine uh, Bill Polian coming in here and taking a look at what 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 Ryan Pace left behind and said holy fucking shit. George, I'm sorry. I hate to tell you this, but but Virginia may not be around by the time we get to the Super Bowl. And by the way, speaking of Virginia McCaskey self, I wanted to say this. So uh, one of the bloggers in town uh, puts out this message that Virginia is not going well. And I'm not saying that he's incorrect. I'm not saying that he doesn't have inside information. I'm not saying anything. I just hate that that was put out there without any confirmation. Did this person who is a blogger used journalistic uh uh i didn't criteria. see this so I, I'm, I'm in the dark yeah this is uh uh the is bears, the bears blog, blog? Oh, yeah the bear, i have nothing against the bears blog at all and and if if he's landing this information and so forth but you know as a former journalist what you do is you get two sources and it's confirmed. Did he get that? Or does he? I don't know. I, I don't read the Bears blog, but I, I I did read that story because I wanted to get as much information about Virginia's health because I, I want her to live a long a longer life than she's already lived. So I, I, it just irritated me that there wasn't any confirmation that didn't come from a viable, uh, not viable, but a, an established news agency. And so a lot of people start retweeting this and so forth. We don't know. She's 99 years old. You know, it, it, of course, she's not going to be feeling 100 percent. Of course, she's not going to be feeling well. She's she's lucky to get out of bed. I'm sure at that age, my mom is 80 something and, and she can't get out of bed. So I, I, it was just to me, it was a little irritating that this news was out there about her health. And uh, the Bears blog, there was other stuff in the Bears blog there that I, I read and, and, and found informative and stuff. But that particular bit of news, I thought was just perhaps, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, I, I just thought it, it should not have been shared at, at this point uh, about somebody's yeah, health. Yeah, I, I, the, the Bears organization didn't comment or confirm, correct? 
Correct. Nobody has, and not uh, Brad Biggs or a- any anybody else. And I asked Greg Gabriel, hey, have you heard anything? And he says, hold on. Uh, and then he came back and says, no, there's no word. There's, and nobody's talking about it and so forth. So I'm not, again, I'm not saying Jeff Hughes uh, in the Bears blog did anything, uh, you know, that, that they were putting out a lie there. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, what I'm saying is, you know, when you're talking about somebody's health like that, perhaps it would be cool if you just save that to for yourself, you know. So anyway, maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, I think it is time to pull the plug because it is 11:10. I know uh, Johnny Santu; she has some work to do tomorrow. I've got a few things to do myself. Uh, again, lots of thanks to everybody who has joined us here live. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow we will be back here at the Barroom Network at 2 p.m. Bar down hockey. The guys also talk football and uh, other stuff. So tune in to them. And then at 9 p.m. it'll be Science Fliction. And if there's any major, excuse me, if there's any major Bears news uh, that happens tomorrow, we will come in at 7 p.m. Central and, and, and talk about that before Science Fliction. So uh, for Johnny Santucci, for Dan Aguirre, I'm Aldo Gandia. Good night, everybody. Oh, wait a minute. I want to play this close. Thank you for listening to Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. Make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network and you give us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, my name is Nomfe. Bear down. <laughs>